This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. What do we got a lot to get to? Welcome into the opening kickoff. That's right. For the next three hours, we got plenty of content for you. We appreciate you making us part of your morning. Without further ado, I'm Mark Heim. Michael Bronner's in the house. There he is, Lee Shervanian. Biggest win of the year for the Alabama basketball team last night, beating eighth-rated Auburn 79-75. Nate Oates challenged his team before the game. Are we a pretender or a contender? Well, right now they're a contender because they're tied for first in the SEC. Uh, a game that started out with a power outage, uh, lighting issues, wound up pretty exciting down the stretch. And Alabama... Uh, beating Auburn for the third consecutive time and ending Auburn's 11-game win streak. I would be safe in saying that's a big win, but the head coach of the Crimson Tide football program, Kalen uh, DeBoer, probably got a bigger win. Uh, he has secured a recommitment from Ryan Williams, so it appears that the uh, recruitment of Ryan Williams has come to an end. He has canceled uh, trips to LSU and to Auburn. He recommitted after his recent visit to the Crimson Tide. So for Mark, Alabama fans, well, that would include Michael Bronner especially because he's really locked into this uh, huge night, uh, double-barreled uh, good news for the Crimson Tide. Kudos to Michael Bronner for uh, making the prediction on the basketball game yesterday. Uh, credit where credit's due there. It was a wild game, but Ryan Williams is clearly the big news of the day. Uh, what started as a decommitment the day Nick Saban retired. Uh, he talked about relationships, and he was struck by how down-to-earth DeBoer was. Then there was, sorry, he was waiting for his birthday, and then there was some sort of, there was a lot of chatter yesterday that he would be making an announcement. Thoughts were that maybe he would do it at the Alabama game itself. They were doing this Iron Bowl trophy presentation thing. Uh, as it turned out, it looked like it was whenever his highlight video and New, new recruiting video was going to drop was when he's going to make the announcement. So there it is. Ryan Williams, with for all the speculation of Texas or, or Auburn, he's back with Alabama. It's a huge get for DeBoer. A lot of questions about whether DeBoer could recruit. I think, at least to this point, that those questions have been answered. Mark, I'm, huge not, I'm not trying to be a cynic or anything like that, and it, it seems like a lock now, but still – I would just basically hold my breath until he actually signs, just <laughs> to be sure. Just to be sure, yeah. February 9th, that he signs, then it becomes official. Then I think Alabama fans can really let out a sigh of relief knowing that they have one of the nation's top 10 recruits coming in at a, at a position where they've lost uh, their three top receivers from a year ago. Yeah, it's it's a um, – look, I, they lost a lot of bodies – we had this conversation leading up. I mean, it's it's not a depleted roster, but you took a hit. There's there's no way of sugarcoating the fact that they took a hit. Uh, but this certainly will make Alabama fans. Well, let's hear from an Alabama fan. Michael Bronner, <laughs> relieved, happy, excited. Of course, all all uh, we're a little all little words nervous, put but on. not too nervous. But yeah, I mean, I I felt pretty good about it after after the visit last weekend and that I, I didn't necessarily think he was gonna commit this week and 
And to your point, Lee, he's canceled visits to Auburn. It's over. He's going to sign with Alabama. I'm ready to ready to proclaim that. Uh, all, all that being said, yeah, the one big knock, not even really a knock, but I guess fear about DeBoer when he was hired was Kenny recruiting the South, and he shows up not even two weeks on the job and stuffs Hugh Freeze in a locker, frankly. So, I, I mean, it was it, it's pretty impressive. It, it's pretty impressive by DeBoer. Well, apparently he came out of the locker yesterday because he was at the Viger game, so <laughs> he's, he obviously got out of the stuffing of the uh, – uh, by the way, we had the uh, Viger coach on yesterday, and – uh, Davidson beat Viger yesterday uh, by, uh, I, I guess it was like a 72 to 67 because uh, we talked a lot about that yesterday because coaches are coming out now to watch uh, prospective high school football players play basketball these days. Uh, that's a big win for Davidson, by the way. Uh, big win for Alabama yesterday on the court. It, uh, it went back and forth. Physical, uh, emotional, like I, I, I didn't really have a dog in the hunt, but I, I could feel it. You know, of course, when the lights came back on, I, I could feel it um, throughout the course of the game. It, it was it was a great game, uh, a, a game of runs. Like Auburn couldn't throw it in the ocean if they were standing on a boat at one point uh, for a long. Well, that's stretch. what really bothered me about Auburn. The fact of the matter is, you get uh, Broom scoring at will early in the game. He has like ten points in the first couple of minutes, and then Auburn has these lapses. If you've watched their games at all, they go into these lapses where they get out of their offense, and basically whoever's out on the perimeter tries firing up threes, and they couldn't hit a three in the first half. And I really think the difference in the game was the last minute or two of the first half when Alabama went to work and opened up that 14-point lead and yes Auburn did come back and actually get an early a lead in the four, in the second half but again what what is going on you know with the coaching that you're, you've got it made inside Broom was eating up and he had a great game last night I mean 25 points five blocks uh, double digits and rebounds and yet they're not feeding the ball there was a stretch there in the first half after he had scored the 10 or 12 points where they just ignored him, and they're just firing up threes from all over the yeah. place. And as you said, they couldn't hit anything. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing in that regard as far as Auburn's concerned. From Alabama's standpoint, you know, we talked about Grant Nelson, and he had a quiet game until the end. And, boy, I, I give him a large measure of the credit because of the two slam dunks there. But here's another thing, too. Late in the game, Auburn had a chance to tie – they missed not one but two free throws down the stretch. And, you know, it doesn't – you don't pay much attention to that, but those free throws are so important. With about 12 seconds to go, uh, they had a chance to tie the game, and the, the free throw was missed. And then even in the final seconds, they missed a free throw, which may have given them an opportunity to try to tie the game. But I will say this, another Alabama-Auburn exciting game. Six of the last ten have been decided by six points or less. And I think I'd be safe in saying the way that game goes, you play that game at Auburn, Auburn probably wins. Alabama has the home game, they win. Uh, hypothetically, rhetorically asking for a friend, Michael, did, was there any scratch on that game? I know the, the, line, the line we talked about was, I think, Three and a half. It moved from two and a half <laughs> to three and a half. It, it was were, three and a half. And and that last shot did not count. And the first person I thought of was, did Michael win or did Michael lose? Uh, Alabama covered the spread. Okay. Very good. 
Were you a little nervous? For those, for those that are concerned about that. It was such that. a small part of the game, but even the even the guys calling the game mentioned it, and I was like, oh. It's, fu- it's funny. We've gotten to a point where like the commentators acknowledge it a yeah. little bit, like in football, too. It's like, oh, that might have been a big touchdown for some people out there. Yeah. Uh, I kind of I like it. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was uh, dramatic, to say the least. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually – was a little disappointed in the way Auburn finished that game because of those missed free throws. I didn't. I didn't really care who won, uh, because I. I just wanted to see some sort of game potential game defining shot at the end of that game because it was so good. I wanted and, overtime, and they and they kind of played themselves out of it with the misses. Yeah, I, w- I was um, hoping for overtime because I'm with you. I was really. I didn't into need it. overtime. I just wanted I to did. see a, a, a game. Either losing shot or game winning shot. Uh, By the way, the foul on uh, I think it was on Grant Nelson. It was Baker Mazzara who, yeah. who shot the three. Man, and, and I'm glad we're not sitting here talking about the refs. But I mean, Baker Mazzara kicked that like out, kicked out, and then Nelson didn't even touch his. It was it I was not. I thought he foul. got him on on the follow through. I, I will say he now. It, it was really nitpicky, and I would say if you had to pick one, I would say kick out over follow through for sure. There's no question he followed. Uh, he he kicked out. Not there's no doubt in my mind. So, but when you go back and look at the replay, uh, he did get him on the follow through as well. But kudos to your guy because I remember you were really high on this guy early, Grant Nelson. And then it was it was a cool down, but he had two monster dunks, and I know everybody's talking about that reverse. That one, yeah. but that other one uh, late the, in the, the game, put back for the, the minute back was huge. Yeah, the I, I, uh, I don't know about Grant Nelson. Yeah. Obviously, he made some a couple of big plays. He also, perhaps more importantly, I think he was eight of nine from the free throw from the free throw line because he gets to the free throw line a lot. Uh, so if you're making him above an eighty percent clip, it's gonna help any team. But yeah, man, he, uh, he struggles at times. He, like yeah. I said, I think the jump from. You know, where he was to the SEC is just, uh, it, it's been hard for him. He gets a lot of minutes, and a lot of times I'm screaming at the TV that he shouldn't be in the game. He's come a long way, I think, this season as a defender, but yikes, man. On offense, he's still, ugh, it's not great. But that foul, and to your point, Lee, that was kind of the beginning of the end for Auburn because you get to the line with, I think, like a 90% free throw shooter, and yeah. then you miss that third one after making two. Generally, after the first or second, you're kind of in a groove, so you just kind of assume a guy that hits at that percentage is going to hit the third, and then it, it was kind of the He's unraveling really right a there. good free throw shooter until that, and because he, that would have tied the game. So instead, when he misses, they have to foul yeah. and send Alabama to the line, whereas you got 12 seconds to go. Who knows what would have happened in the last yeah. 12 seconds? Would Alabama have won the game? Perhaps. We don't know. But that changed the whole complexion of the game. But again, I still look at the end of that first half when Alabama went on that torrid run and opened up a 14-point lead. And it really looked like uh, Auburn had one of those lapses, which they've been famous for this year. I mean, there have been games when they've gone uh, a long stretch without scoring because of their selection of shots. You know, instead, of they, they, had the, they had the inside game to themselves. I mean, Broom was just cleaning up early in the game. And for whatever reasons, they just started to ignore him, and those guys started firing threes, and they weren't hitting. The game was so good, we haven't even talked about the lights. We did mention the power outage at the beginning. Yeah, but that should be the that should be the main focus here. Oh, really? Over uh, <laughs> over the win and over Ryan Williams? You think that's the key? 
I don't know. Maybe Alabama's going to get bullied into building a new arena. Do you think uh, maybe because of all the NIL collective money going elsewhere, they didn't pay the light bill? Yeah, a lot of people threw around that take. Oh, they put the whole power bill budget (laughs) into the Ryan Williams NIL fund. Uh, It gave gave Jalen Milrow a chance to be interviewed, though, so that's the good point. Yeah, that was okay. I don't know. Then they had Nick Dunlap on. I'll tell you this. If I was an Auburn fan watching the game yesterday, I would have been annoyed. Like, oh, you're opening the game with Jalen Milrow, then you bring Nick Dunlap on. Just call the basketball game, man. But it was okay. I mean, I like Milrow. But it was at Cone Coliseum. If it was at Auburn, maybe they would have had Charles Barkley on. Who knows? Maybe so. Uh and they what they put two minutes back on the they let him re warm up, um, and it was bizarre because uh, Jay Williams even mentioned he's like man I just thought they kind of dimmed the lights on purpose because Auburn got the ball and they were gonna turn them on or whatever when Alabama, uh, so it was a little because I noticed I thought it was just the TV camera I thought it was just the broadcast maybe I don't know they had some weird filter or something I didn't I didn't necessarily think there was a problem with the state uh, arena as much as there was with maybe the how broadcast about, how about the, the disagreement uh, on the Sears technical where Williams thought that shouldn't have been and Carl Ravitch thought there should have been to hear the two commentators going basically in different directions on that when Sears was uh, fouled and then threw the ball at the feet that was such a soft call it was and I, and it was interesting that what I liked about it was the fact that they each had different opinions on it. Williams, of course, having played the game, Ravage thought that it definitely by the book was a foul. Williams said, no, that shouldn't be a foul. Well, I think that was technical. Yeah, I thought I thought the actual foul on Auburn's side was more egregious than the technical. But I do think that was the referee saying, all right, we've got to get this under control. Because if you remember on the other side of the court, there was kind of a no call yeah. on uh, what was like a pick and roll. And they Alabama tried to take a charge. On the review, on the reverse angle, it looked more like a block, like he slid in late. Either way, there was a lot of con- a lot of contact there, and there w- it was a no call, which was the wrong call. It had to be one or the other. It should have been a block on Alabama. If you and remember then, last year in this game, too, yeah. you know, things got and so chippy things, and out right. of hand. And so I think this was just the ref saying, enough's enough. We're gonna, we we got to reel this stuff in. Uh, but, yeah, I thought the technical was soft. But he's got to be he's got to do better. He can't be rolling the ball. I mean, he didn't throw the ball at him as much as he rolled it at him. Um had he hauled off and, like, I mean, he rolled it at him, right? I mean, it hit the ground first. It's not like he – I thought that was soft, but you can't do it. You just can't do it. But I, I would have been – quite frankly, I would have been pissed too if I was uh, taking the ball up the court and, and I was being ridden like that. He was been uh, – like he had been uh, rid, rid – is that a word? Riding? Ridden? Had been ridden? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Um, all right, so, look, we got to take a break here. Alphonse Taylor's coming up next. He and Greg McElroy got into it online. I'm going to be honest with you. Shank's going to come on and and he's going to say all the right things. But Greg McElroy, a little sensitive, a little thin-skinned here, went after Alphonse Taylor. Said he didn't even remember Alphonse Taylor playing. All he remembers is that he was the laziest guy on the roster. Did Basically he? because Alphonse Taylor felt differently about the Caden Proctor thing. Called it tampering. Greg McElroy, not a very uh, popular opinion about it being about relationships. We'll get into it next. Scoreboard traffic and weather off and running. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP. 
I mean, it definitely prepared us because we, we had to go through it and figure out that we need to get some toughness. If you're figuring it out right now because you play a soft schedule in the non-conference, we're not, what are we, 5-1 and one right now? So, what are we, 5-1 in the league? Yeah. We, we wouldn't be tied for first in the league after six games if you didn't get exposed in the non-conference. And, you know, I didn't plan on losing all those games. That schedule looked really good when we made it in the summer. Didn't look so good after three straight losses, but... Hey, that's Alabama basketball coach Nate Oates. Welcome back in at 621 on this Thursday edition. All right, a story we haven't touched upon yet, and we will get to Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan for the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll talk about that a little later on. But right now, joining us, former Alabama offensive lineman Alphonse Taylor, now an assistant football coach at Alma Bryant. Good morning, Shank. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are we doing this morning, man? Good. Uh, there was a story that came out yesterday, and Mark was working on it. Explain what was going on between you and Greg McElroy. Oh, man. It, honestly, it was just a huge misunderstanding to start with because, you know, uh, me and Greg just had different opinions on the Proctor transfer and tampering and all that, and you know, just something I said, along with some heat he's been getting other people might have frustrated him a little bit, and he just crossed the line a little. So he comes out, and I saw a quote that he called you, what, the laziest dude in Alabama practice or whatever. How would he know? First of all, how can he make a comment like that? You guys weren't teammates. Yeah, you know, and anybody that was ever in a locker room with me knows how hard I busted my butt. Uh, from the time I stepped on campus until the time I left. And so, you know, that that just came from a place, like I said, it was an emotional take by him. But can that... And I don't think it was... But can an apology... very well thought out. Can an apology appease you, though? I mean, here's a guy who goes on public... He's at a national show, or at least a, a statewide show, and even if he apologizes, which I assume he's done or will do, is that enough, though? Yeah, I mean, he's already... He, like... As soon as I caught a hold of it and I started responding back to it, like he reached out immediately, directly, and apologized to me. And, you know, I I took that apology and just kind of went about my day, which is why I didn't say much more about it at the time. But, and, you know, man, just that can't happen regardless, you know, because uh, me as a ball coach and being in the profession that I am, all I have is my name. And I have to stand by my name, you know, and I can't have my kids thinking that that's something about me that they didn't know, that I was lazy or something like that when, in fact, I come in and coach effort to those guys every day, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I hate that it ever happened in the first place. But, I mean, yeah, he was completely wrong, but he reached out to me and apologized. And, you know, as a man who's not perfect and understand that people make their mistakes, uh, I took that and went about my day. He's Alphonse Taylor. You can follow him on X at Shank50. We He joins us here on WNSP. Uh, so his take, and it, it, it wasn't real popular with the Alabama folks uh, for you guys listening out there. His his take on Caden Proctor, Greg's was, was that it's about relationships. Your point was, man, they hit him up during the season. That's tampering. And and Greg got a little, got a little sensitive, I think, which is ironic because in that same breath that he was talking about you, he was talking about how he doesn't care what people think about him. They don't. He, their opinions don't matter. Uh, but uh, 
he was being a little hypocritical with that comment. I thought he overreacted. I thought he was way too sensitive, and I thought he crossed the line based on what very little interaction you guys had on that social media platform. Right. Yeah, without a doubt. Like I told you, anybody that's, uh, that I've had the honor of sharing the locker room with or being around, I'll let you know I absolutely lazy. It's not a word that even is part of my vocabulary and describes me at all. Um, you know, many coaches can back that up. I'd even say I had to bust my butt twice as hard as some of the guys I shared the line with just to be half as good as they are. So I take pride in the work that I put in to get to where I was at Bama. So what kind of an apology are we talking about? Did he call you? Did you guys talk it through, or did he just do it on the air? And and, and what kind nah, of an yeah, apology yeah. would make you feel better? I mean, he's... He essentially just wrote me in my DMs on Twitter, and he apologized, and he said he'll clear it up on air. So we'll wait to hear that from him on air. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, the, the apology was direct and didn't beat around the bush. He, he understood that he was wrong, understood he crossed the line, whatever, whatever. So, you know, like I said, uh, it's not something that I was going to dwell on. I took the apology, and I moved on about my day. Uh I know some other of your uh, former teammates. I know a lot of former Alabama players kind of started talking a little bit about it on uh, social media. Did you get any uh, feedback from from guys that you used to play with? Um, you know, like I said, they they can vouch for me. They knew he was wrong, and, and there isn't really a pick a side deal here. There's, you know, there's fact, and then there's an emotional take that yeah. shouldn't have happened. Yeah, and so. And, you know, all my guys, we're, we're going to live in reality, and they understand fact. And, and you know, anybody that understands saving, understand what we did in 2015, it wasn't going to happen with any lazy people touching the field. So, All right, if, if you ran into him, just let's say uh, you guys passed by or you, you happened to see him, would you shake hands, would you hug him, or would you just blow by him and not even acknowledge him? Depends on the setting, but you know I'll keep it cordial. There's no hard feelings, you know. I don't have to be best buddies with the guy, but you know I'll keep it cordial, shake hands, and and go on about it. All right, because Lee just offered to pin him down so you could beat him up if you need him to. Lee's pretty feisty at his age. He ain't he he ain't mad. Um, uh, nah. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, look, we, we appreciate you coming on and, and kind of clarifying for our listeners. Uh, lazy is not exactly the word I would use for a guy that wants to come on our show at 620 because he has to get to work out. So uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and, and shedding some light on the situation. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. And as always, we'll talk. All right, man. Thank you. That's Alphonse Taylor. Shank, you were the one who brought it to my attention. Could we put this under the category of reckless commentary or reckless comments by McElroy is that fair or no yeah but it was the 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 worst part of it is he goes on this rant about how he doesn't care what you people out there think of him and because he went on this whole I'm so sick and tired of this narrative that I hate my school I don't hate my school but you guys say I hate my school but I don't care what y'all say he I don't care what hates you think. his school uh, it just he's thin-skinned and he's condescending and that's okay. And to use his words, that's okay. That's who he is. I, you know, I think it's great that he's got a show here in Bur- uh, up in Birmingham that he's done well with the SEC Network. But to say that Alphonse Taylor uses Bama to stay relevant, I would ask, 
would any player, former player that's in a position that he's in, have that position if he didn't play for the school he played for? Like, would Cole be as successful, Cole Kublik, his partner, his, if he didn't go to Auburn? Maybe, probably. I mean, he, he knows football. Greg knows football. But the fact that they played for the schools that they played for helped them get that. So indirectly, you kind of use that school. I don't know. I just thought it was, uh, I thought it was very unprofessional, and uh, I think he's incredibly thin-skinned. And you can't be in that business. Brian Bosarge is next. Such a dilemma. No, I uh, never know when to when to break in on your guy it's here. Okay, would you say this is a good uh, intro to Ryan Williams, Born to Run? Yes. yes. Thank okay. you. We agree. All right, uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we we do have Jim Nagy coming on later, and we certainly want to concentrate on the Senior Bowl, but we also want to talk get his reaction to Jim Harbaugh leaving. But right now. As we look ahead to the Senior Bowl, and Mark, again, do want to mention to all of our uh, listeners uh, a big thank you to Chavez Furniture because they're our title sponsor. And we'll be covering the Senior Bowl from, well, today through all of next week right up to February 3rd. And we'll actually be broadcasting February 3rd live show from Hancock-Whitney Stadium from 9 to 11. From 9 to 11 that morning. The game's at noon. It's an early start this year, but we'll be on from 9 to 11. We'll give you our viewpoint. We'll fill in some of the uh, stuff that went on during the week, maybe an interview or two. But, boy, when we start looking ahead to the Senior Bowl, I do want to thank uh, Rich's Car Wash, Joe Bullard Chevrolet, D&K Suit Discounters, and Gers Markets and Cash Saver. And I also want to thank Brian Bosarge. He joins us weekly to update us on what's going on with the draft. And, of course, Brian, who was at the press conferences coming uh, this past Monday with a lot of observations about some of these players. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Hey, guys. Uh Happy to be on with you, and I would like to say, Mark, that uh, my Alabama alumni wife would agree with you on your perception of Greg McElroy. Oh, well, we maybe we should add her on then. <laughs> Is she there? Does she want to uh, weigh in on that? <laughs> no, she's good. <laughs> Brian, uh, Jim Nagy, I believe if I heard correctly, said this is the best senior bowl roster that he's been able to bring in. Can you enhance that? Yeah, we talked about it on our show last night, and we're – uh, basically in agreement, I think depth-wise, you know, top to bottom, uh, I would agree that this is probably the best roster, you know, overall that they put together. I think we're going to see, I would say, in between six and maybe even uh, ten first-round picks come out of this class. I think we're going to see upwards of 50 uh, to 60 players drafted in the first three rounds. And, you know, I would say roughly over 100, at least over 100 of the guys that you're going to see here are going to be drafted overall. I think depth-wise, this is probably the best class they put together. You don't have maybe some of the illustrious star power that you've had in the past, but definitely depth-wise, I completely agree with what Jim said the other day. I would have to look, though, at Bo Nix and Penix certainly bring star power, though, to this game. Right, but I'm talking like the the top end of the like 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 was it two, uh, when during the the Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen class, you had those two guys there. Both of those guys were end up going in the top seven picks, right? 
you've had Carson Palmer here as the top overall pick. I mean, uh, that's what I meant. Like, you don't have, like, that guy at, at the top of the class. Von Miller was second overall pick, was down here before. So, that's what I'm saying. I, I just don't think you've had that quite that level. Brian Lewis from uh, Deep Fried, also Draft Countdown. And how can uh, our listeners see what your latest mock draft is all about? Yeah, well, you can head over to draftcountdown.com uh, to see all of our all of our mock drafts we have posted. Um, this week's uh, mock draft came from your old buddy, uh, Pigskin Paul, there. Uh, uh, we had, had a one-round mock draft go up this past Monday. I'm glad he's tied in with you now. I could never remember what he was uh, – where he what his draft status was going in he had this long i don't even remember something about canada <laughs> it's like yeah. it's long this long uh <laughs> sentence about who he was aligned with but i'm glad he's with you uh pigskin paul okay let me ask you this we talked at length during the uh, press conference and i and i said this yesterday that uh, you know jim's and his staff have had a lot to navigate with not just the seniors but now with juniors and everything what do you make of the juniors that are coming in here oh i love it i mean <laughs> it's just a, another it's it it gives us as draft evaluators an opportunity to see these guys you know, outside of just the game tape, right? That's an opportunity we normally wouldn't have got. Normally we wouldn't see these guys again until we would never see these guys again in pads, right? The next time we would see them would be in the combine. Well, now we get to see them in pads one more time against, you know, the best of their peers. Now, did you get the top end of the underclassmen this year? No. I mean, you didn't get, obviously, you didn't get the Caleb Williams or the Drake Mays or anybody like that, but you're going to get to see you know some of the some of the especially some of the defensive backs or the safeties that came out. I mean the the safety class uh, in the, in this year's draft was looking kind of slim, and then we all of a sudden see an influx of, of these underclassmen, and all of them are going to play in this game. So that just elevated that to probably be one of the one of the better groups of, of positions at the Senior Bowl. This year, there seems to be an abundance of running backs. And among those running backs, who stands out? It's, it's, it's always hard for running backs to stand out in practices, right? And, and now, and normally they would get a chance to stand out in the game. Well, with You currently have 10 of them on the senior bowl roster. So it's going to be kind of hard for any of them to stand out in the game as well. Um, but to me, the, the guys I'm looking for, uh, looking at to be the, the, the showstoppers here are Jalen Wright from Tennessee. I think he's one of the underclassmen you mentioned earlier. He's just got breakaway speed. Um, so going to be anxious to see him. Uh, Marshawn Lord from Southern Cal by way of South Carolina is another guy. I think he's a very well-rounded back. And the guy I might be looking forward to seeing the most is New Hampshire running back Dylan Lobb. Uh, had 290-something receiving yards in a game this year, some, some, some ridiculous number like that. It was well over 200 yards receiving. So uh, I, I want to see how he performs in the practices when he, you know, New Hampshire to the level he's going to be playing against this week, the big difference. Ryan, do you get a chance to sit down one-on-one -on -one with many of these players? No, nah, generally not. I mean, it's not something that uh, I'm not going to say overly interests me. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I have in the past, and it's just not generally something I gather a lot of information about. I'm not a trained psychiatrist like some of these NFL scouts are, and they can get deep in the mind of these players. It's just not something that I'm trained for. Give us the insight. How do you evaluate players then? I mean, do you guys meet and go over this information with your crew, 
or how do you arrive at a mock draft if you're not talking to these guys? I know you've seen them perform probably on TV and things like that. Where does the evaluation, because you're pretty accurate on your first round usually. Yeah, I mean, we mock drafts mock drafts and player evaluations are two completely different things. Let's just start off saying that. Player evaluation is, is how do you think a player is going to translate to the NFL? So, you one, you have to know what the trends are in the NFL. You have to see, okay, what's working now? What's this? Does this guy fit in the NFL now? Blah, blah, blah. Because a lot of success that a player has, uh, a college prospect has in the NFL level, just comes down to fit. And that's why you see some quarterbacks succeed more than others. That's why Brock Purdy succeeded in the NFL up to this point, you know, more than what his draft status would have been is just pure fit in the 49ers offense, right? So, but mock drafts, you're basically just projecting what you think teams will do. You've seen what they've done in the past, what kind of players they're going to draft. So you're going to kind of like, okay, maybe I think this player is a better player than player A, but player B fits this team more. So, you know, he's a zone blocking offensive lineman more than a, you know, whatever. So you'll mock him there. That mock draft is just about trying to gauge player fit and evaluation is more how you think they're going to translate to the NFL level. Why do you think that there's been, I, I don't know the percentage, but it seems like some teams have really misfired early in the draft on quarterbacks. I look at the Jets, uh, I look at the 49ers, not with Purdy, because they didn't get him till the seventh round, but the other guy they traded up for. But we've seen over the years where teams will move up and give up draft picks to get a quarterback, and it doesn't work out. With all the brain power that they supposedly have and all the psychological people that you were talking about, why do they strike out on these? Because in a lot of cases you have teams that all of their brain trusts aren't on the same page, right? You have the coach wants player A while the GM and scouts want player B and then sometimes you even have the owner come in and override everybody. Well, we're taking this guy. So it, it that to me, when everybody's not on the same page, that's when you see misfires happen. And you really need the GM, the head coach, and ownership all to be in lockstep, you know, at the top. And then sometimes you just get lucky or unlucky in the cases. And I think that was part of the what happened with the 49ers and Trey Lance. As well, he had all the talent in the world. He's just been—he was injured his first three years and never got a chance to do anything. Well, Brock Purdy comes along and just fits the offense like a, a glove and just leaves Trey Lance behind. Should we give up on Bryce Young yet? No, I don't think you should give up on Bryce Young. But they really need to nail this hire of head coach and or and or offensive coordinator, somebody that can get this ship righted really quick. But we talked about ownership, and David Tepper seems to be immediately becoming the overmeddling Daniel Snyder type owner that just dooms his team right out of the block. Man can't even have a drink at a game without getting criticized for it. Am I right? I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, Brian, uh, we we can't thank you enough for getting up early with us. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of the draft as we move ever so closer to the senior bowl. Like I said, uh, you can follow all of our coverage. Our, our whole team does a great job at draftcountdown.com. You can see all of our podcasts or listen to them at youtube.com slash the draft countdown. And you can follow me on Twitter at deep fried draft. Hey, we'll, we'll see you soon. No doubt. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks guys. That's uh, Brian Bosarge. Want to remind you that our Chavez furniture senior bowl coverage continues 
Uh, even next week, we're at the convention center in the thick of it. A lot of folks to thank for making our coverage possible, including uh, Roy Hudson, the fine folks at Community Bank, B&B Appliance, Ronnie Lee's Automotive, uh, Gulf Coast Mortgage Solutions, and Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply. Thank you guys for all you do in supporting uh, the Senior Bowl and WNSP. All right, we're going to come back, wrap up uh, hour number one. It's been a busy hour. we got to get to this Jim Harbaugh stuff. Alabama takes down Auburn on the hardwood. And in the recruiting wars, man, Ryan Williams, the big news of the day. We, talked, we already talked about it. we got to get back to it. You want to get in on Greg McElroy's comments about Alphonse Taylor, you could do that as well. Uh, there is a lot to sink our teeth in. Wrapping up hour number one next right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station, WNSP. time boys and girls there's the sound or be the first one to get michael bronner on the phone and you will be qualified for a chance to win a full set of tales compliments of francia's a formal affair this is a gift valued at more than six hundred dollars guys it is non-transferable so the person who wins has to go pick it up that's how special this is we're not we're not you know lee's not winning and saying oh mark's gonna nope nope if you win, it's yours. So make sure you want it because it is in big demand. Nothing says looking your best like being dressed to impress. That's where Francia's comes in. They've been helping people just like you uh, and their special help fit for their special occasions for decades. Uh, they've remained family owned and family operated, which is huge. So Francia's formal affair offers tuxedo rentals and sales, plus other formal wear. So even if you don't get in, and you'll have plenty of opportunities to do so, but you need a tux for that wedding, for that Mardi Gras ball, make sure you go see Linda uh, and the fine folks at Francia's formal affair. Um, like a Jimmy Francia, who was a big friend of our show, used to say, if you want to look your best, forget all the rest, Linda. And now uh, Francia's formal affair. I'll tell you this. If it was, if I want it, I'm keeping it. I'm not giving it to you or anybody. I, I have a, a, a cotillion coming up in two years. so uh, In I, two I years. Yeah. And you never know, even before that. You yeah. know, I, I want to look my best. So uh, I would definitely. I keep know you it. got your haircut and everything. I look did. at you. You're preparing well, already for exactly. the cotillion. Well, I got a Mardi Gras event coming up this Saturday. Wow. I got Senior Bowl. I want to look my best for you. I mean, because you got, your hair is always well groomed. You're Thank always you. looking Thank good. And Thank I, you. Appreciate I have, that. I don't want. You know, look like some scraggly guy you just right. picked off uh, sure. underneath the uh, trespass or something. Sure. You know, by the way, I, I did want to mention uh, and, and as we look ahead to Jim Harbaugh, when Nick Saban left Alabama, retired, look at all the schools and the domino effect. It affected Washington. Right. It affected Arizona. It affected San Jose State. It affected South Alabama and it affected Buffalo. Now, the, the interesting, as we look to Michigan, they could hire within. They could, uh, the, the, the going narrative is that Shamar Moore, the offensive coordinator, will get the job. But what if they look outside and decide, let's pull in a coach from a, you know, a coach who's been through the, 
the thicket and, and coached at another school. I saw names mentioned. I, I don't know if it's worth mentioning because I really think Moore is right now the, the odds-on favorite. But it, uh, a school like Michigan, you could you know, if you bring in another head coach and how many schools could be affected by that? Uh, it's possible, but all signs point to hiring from within. The, the bigger story, I think, uh, for Michigan – and I saw reports about the fact that they waited too long to kind of give in to the the wording that Harbaugh's, Harbaugh's lawyer wanted when it came to the NCAA and, and the NFL and, and the wording in the contract. Like they finally uh, kind of gave in and were going to cave to those demands, but they waited too long. And by the time they finally came to their senses, Harbaugh, according to some speculation and reports from media folks in that area, had already gotten into the latter state or the later stages of negotiations um, with the Chargers, with the Chargers, and it was really too late. So, if anybody really is to blame Michigan for you Michigan fans out there, it sounds like your administration really dropped the ball. I mean, whether you like Harbaugh or not, if he's your coach, you give him the keys to the kingdom. You say, "Here, what do you want? Here's your blank contract, blank check, whatever." Fill it in. I mean, the guy just won you a national championship. Yeah, and I don't know. See, I my feeling was, and I don't know because I don't talk to him, and but I, I had a feeling he wanted to go to the NFL anyway. And, you know, they could just be saying that as an excuse. We'll never know really the true story unless he – and even if he says something, I'm not sure we could believe it anyway. But I had a feeling – I have a feeling that he wanted to get back to the NFL and win a Super Bowl. All right? He's won a college championship now. Now I think he really it eats away at him. His brother has one. He wants to get one also. I have a question also. I don't know the answer. So does the NCAA now table its investigation and just put it aside on the back burner until maybe Harbaugh ever comes back to college? Do they just discontinue? Because a lot of it was on Harbaugh back in the um, COVID year when he lied to them and so forth. That was the gist of their investigation. I don't think the sign-stealing thing is going to become an issue but I do wonder what the, what the NCAA is going to do in terms of the uh, investigation because they really wanted to come after Harbaugh. I don't know if they really wanted to come after Michigan as much as they wanted to get the head coach. Well, I, I always think there's going to be some repercussions on the program, so I don't, I don't think just because a guy takes off, you automatically say, you know what, we're done. It's over. Uh, I think I think they follow through. I mean, that would make the most sense. But then again, we're talking about the NCAA, so uh, you don't know. I think this makes I think this move makes the NFL a lot more interesting. I also think it makes college football a little less interesting now that Harbaugh is no longer in it. I think he's a guy that you want. He's quirky. All, use your favorite adjective, no doubt. But college football lost. Yes, oh, Sharon Moore is a little bit of a character, isn't he? Ohio yeah. State is also feeling better about this also since they haven't beaten Michigan for the last couple of years. Here's the deal on Shamar Moore. And, and you know, again, I, I know he's the prohibitive favorite right now, but he doesn't really – well, he has head coaching experience only in taking over for Harbaugh for these suspended games. He does – I think he was like a tight ends coach before he came to Michigan. And, yeah, you're right. He's uh, He was quite the character, uh, Michael, after some of those games with some of his comments and everything, and he certainly – uh, was a lightning rod. Do they go in that direction, though? Do they go after another head coach? And who are you going to get at this point? Oh, I think there'd be quite a few candidates to coach Michigan. The big joke was that Lane Kiffin was going to be standing outside the athletic <laughs> complex with his nose up against the I door. Saw, I saw one, I guess it was CBS, through uh, Brian Kelly in there. Yeah, I heard that. 
But you think about it for for a second. LSU is a better job than Michigan. Uh, frankly, I don't think it's particularly close. They've it, won wait, championships okay. in all of the last you, three decades. I don't know what the money situation is, so I can't comment on that. Money aside. But is is it really because at Michigan, you're only fighting against Ohio State for the most part. Now, again, you've got the uh, Pac-12 teams coming in, so it's obviously expanded. Whereas at LSU, you got you know the competition with Alabama, with uh, uh, Georgia. You've got to get past now uh, what Texas. Uh, I I don't know how he looks at that, and I don't know if he ever. I mean, I don't know Brian Kelly that well to know is he really comfortable there because he's really his roots are in the Midwest. I mean, obviously they had a down year this year, largely due to an under underperforming defense. He's uh, recruiting his butt off and back to back ten win seasons. I think LSU is a better job than Michigan. They've won more recently. I mean, Michigan, before this year, they hadn't won a non-shared national championship in like 60 or 70 years. I would be less surprised if he left to go to Michigan than I was when he left Notre Dame to go to LSU. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big shock at the time. This is also all kind of a moot point. Sharon Moore is going to get the job. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you guys can jump in on that. Uh, coming up in, in the next hour, we'll kind of reset, obviously, the big news. we got to get back to Ryan Williams. Got to get back to the Alabama-Auburn basketball game. Spent most of the first hour talking about that. Uh, Greg McElroy's comments. We had Alphonse Taylor on. If you missed that interview, uh, Greg went after Alphonse Taylor uh, yesterday because of disagreeing with him on this whole Caden Proctor thing. Uh, we'll kind of reset. You guys can get in on that. But Eli Gold's going to join us in hour number three. Uh, we're pretty much wide open in hour number, I mean, in hour number two. Uh, he'll join us at 7.30. Uh, we'll have a chance at some da a Daily Dosers fried deliciousness. If you missed the Francia qualifier, we're in a good mood today. We might do it again today. Uh, and then Jim Nagy in hour number three along with Jake Crane. So we got we got everything covered. Uh, we just want uh, to give you an opportunity to chime in. So give us a call at 694-1055. Uh, big day for Alabama yesterday, obviously, not only on the recruiting trail but on the hardwood. Uh, Jalen Milrow was there with his guys. They had a little trophy presentation. The lights went out. I mean, we had a little something for everybody, Lee. It certainly was an enjoyable game. Even when an Auburn fell behind by 14, I thought they'd make a run at it because usually Alabama-Auburn games are very tight going down the stretch. Six of the last ten have been decided by six points or less. So whoever was there got their money's worth. And it was uh, great. The, the place was sold out. I heard a lot of Auburn fans in the background when Auburn was making their run. I just cannot get over the fact and that, that, that Auburn bypassed uh, Broom uh, for several minutes in that first half, he was cleaning up. He had like, what, 10 points, Mark, in the first couple of minutes? And all of a sudden, he he was like uh, nowhere to be found. They, they wouldn't get him the ball. He was like in the witness protection program. Well, P Pearl has been very adamant about having like this, this these two waves of kind of shock and awe. And it's worked for him. Because uh, he's basically got, quote, unquote, two starting units, right? Uh, and in this case... Do you do you deviate from that? Do you do you make adjustments and get your hot hand in hot hand in there? Uh, we can discuss moving forward. Hour number two is next. Join us six nine four one zero five five. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are with hour number two. Thanks for hanging with us. Got a lot to get to, and uh, we encourage you to join us at 694-1055. Those of you who are familiar with our uh, morning show know that usually on Thursday, Paul Feinbaum uh, joins us at this hour. But Paul has been taken away from us by ESPN because of the Harbaugh story. He will join us, scheduled to join us tomorrow at 7 p.m. In the headlines, outside of the state of Alabama, Jim Harbaugh is now the coach of the Chargers. And Doc Rivers leaving the broadcast booth after a few weeks and is returning to the coaching sidelines of the Milwaukee Bucks. Locally, Ryan Williams has recommitted to Alabama. A huge get. We talked about this last week or whenever uh, Kalen DeBoer took over that this would be his major splash if he could get a five-star. Usually when he was coaching at Washington, oh, I don't know, percentage-wise, they probably didn't even have half their recruiting class coming in as four stars and whatever. He gets a five-star wide receiver considered one of the top ten recruits in this entire country. And the other story, of course, with Alabama winning they were challenged by their coach, Nate Oates. He gave them a challenge. Are we a pretender or a contender? It's one thing to play good teams. It's another to beat them. And they beat uh, eighth-rated Auburn, ending the Tigers' eight-game win streak, 79-75. So you could uh, make the argument, what was bigger, Alabama's win on the court or getting Ryan Williams? I know the answer. Well, what is it then? Getting Ryan Williams. Okay, I just want to make sure you were on the same page. Yeah. It's because you still have a lot of basketball games to go. I mean, it, you know, it's still have, what, about third, not even a third of the way through the uh, SEC uh, season. There's a lot of games to go. There aren't many Ryan Williams out there. <laughs> no, and and to your point, right, so that was the knock on DeBoer. Would he be able to recruit SEC talent? Uh, and he had, make no mistake, I mean, the kid, as because we documented, it's amazing how many, pardon the French, grown-ass men or following every step of, you know, some 16 or 17 year old kid. He decommitted Auburn. You, we, you know, Auburn was trending there for a while. Like it was almost like a foregone conclusion that died down. But, uh, I would a say huge, huge get in my time. Well, I guess memory wise, he's about the most decorated player in this area. Two time Gatorade player could be Mr. Football for a second time. None of that's ever been accomplished. Michael, I have a question for you. You ready? Sure. You broadcast a lot of Sarah Land's games this year. Did he ever drop a pass? Once or twice. Good talk, boys. Good yeah, talk. I, really, I, I didn't Good mean talk. to uh, uh, that to be Good that talk. brief. Usually you go on for three minutes. What happened? Are you on a uh, break? I guess so. Well, I mean, he's been here a whole hour. Give the guy a break. It was a long night. We had basketball last night, the Ryan Williams news, Jim Harbaugh. There was a lot going on. Greg McElroy being all sensitive. What did they have coming back Alphonse at Taylor? Sarah Land as far as wide receivers? Like C.D. Gill, probably Dylan Alf. Like pretty much everyone besides uh, besides Ryan Williams. Yeah. I think the tight end was the senior. You know, when I look at uh, Alabama and the fact they've lost, what, their three top receivers, Bond's gone, the tight end gone, uh, obviously, uh, Burton's gone. So, I, I, I guess one of the 
when the coaches were talking to him, says, look, Ryan, come in here. You're going to start. I mean, why not? Uh, Jalen Miller likes to throw long balls. You like to catch them. Hey, now. All right. Uh, so how much of this, guys, do you think was this DeBoer recruiting him for football-specific, you know, reasons? How much of this was NIL? Well, I think NIL has plays a big part in it. And and are Alabama's pockets getting a little deeper now? Or we is it is is it too soon to say that maybe maybe Yay Alabama is on the uptick here? I would say. What do you say, Michael? You're alum. What what's the deal there? I mean, I think Auburn could have matched any NIL offer that Alabama made. I don't think it's an NIL thing at all. I think he went to the better situation. The better room that's going to develop in the guy who's going to have three NFL receivers after two years at I, Washington. I tend to agree a little bit. I think I look. I don't. I'm not saying I he's not getting anything no, in NIL. I think, it, I think it's a sliding scale, right? It's like when you go to college, they look at your GPA and they look at your test scores, right? And if one's better than the, you know, one will offset the other. I think it's it's kind of one of those deals. I think you look at NIL. I think you look at the uh, at the opportunity that's offered, and I think it's a little bit of a sliding scale. I think you're willing to take the competitors, like true competitors that are looking for championships, are willing to take a little less if that means they have a better shot, uh, and vice versa, right? So if if there's not as much chance to win, you're probably going to need a little more NIL. So I do think I don't think Alabama's offer an NIL or whatever entity is offering it. I, I don't as I roll my eyes. I don't think that was the best deal out there, but I think combined with everything else there was to offer. Yeah, but I also wonder how Alabama galvanized on this. And, you know, it used to be said that Nick Saban could call somebody up and get on the phone and say, look, I need this much or I need this much. And, you know, you hear rumors like that. I I think there was a kind of a rallying point uh, with, with Alabama, the athletic director, uh, the coach, and maybe the higher-ups to try to – to put more money into it of to course. outbid Auburn, Texas, because when you and, and the way I was hearing it, Texas could outbid anybody, and Auburn wasn't far behind. But I never heard anything about Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I you hear who was you know helping the collective at Auburn. Obviously, then in Texas, you got a lot of oil money, but it was never about Alabama and where they were getting uh, collectors from and who was contributing. But someone somewhere along the line, something had to happen. Because I don't think you're going to take a pay cut, a, a huge pay cut, you know. And let's face it, if you're as good as Ryan Williams, you're going to play anywhere. Uh, they look like current delays due to a wreck southbound 65 at eastbound I-10 on the ramp. Left lane is blocked. Let me say that again because that was a lot to uh, comprehend there. Southbound 65 to eastbound I-10 on the ramp. Left lane blocked, so be advised, slow moving. I was, I'll be honest. All the hype, all the buildup to Ryan Williams. It's going to be on his birthday. They're going to make a big announcement. Then there was some there was some chatter that it was going to happen yesterday. And then there was some talk, oh, maybe it's going to happen at the basketball game. Felt like it was a little bit of a, a letdown. Dude, just he posted a video. Like, it would have been badass for him to, like, walk out at Coleman, like, <laughs> with Jalen Milrow and be like, I'm committed or something. It just seemed like it was a little bit of all this drama is built up, and it was just like, oh, yeah, he's But isn't that the way of the world now, that they go social media, they don't go through all the shenanigans and the pony, the dog and pony show these days? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was ever really a thing. I think someone kind of threw that on Twitter as a joke, and, and it got ran with. But uh, all that being said, what, what was pretty amusing was that Hayes Fawcett tweet, 
that he was canceling the Auburn visit. Yeah. It came out literally seconds after the clock hit zero last but night in know, a basketball game. To Auburn's don't don't shed tears. You got quite a few incoming freshman receivers, Perry Thompson from this area, Kane from Baker. Uh, a couple of other receivers around the state who are well regarded. So instead of the freeze five, you got the freeze four. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Mbakwe said, I canceled the freeze five. Uh, I mean, Cam Coleman might be the best of the bunch from Central Phoenix City. Uh, he's phenomenal as well. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to watch and compare the these guys in, in the class. What do you give uh, credit where credit's due? Uh, uh, Michael called it yesterday, called an Alabama victory on the hardwood. And that we'd be back on the air. Yeah. Both both yeah. have been the case. So how he's about gonna give us lottery numbers how about a little later today. How about my prediction? I predicted a four point game. Just had the wrong team. But I predicted when I saw that you get half credit a four up. point game, and that's exactly what it wound up being. Oh, and it was so close to not being a four point game at the end when they threw up that three. <laughs> Funny stuff. Point five seconds left. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a it was a compelling game, guys, on both sides. I mean, uh, very emotional, uh, very intense. We had a little technical. We had lighting issues. We had a little bit of everything. Grant Nelson. I know everybody's talking about that 180 dunk there, that one. Um, but that one late on the putback was huge. Uh, Auburn just man, they couldn't shoot to save their lives. And that especially spurred. Holloway, the gifted freshman, he was 0 yeah, for 7. Right. 0 for 7 and 0 for 5 from the three-point line. He had a crazy assist right early in the game, too, and then uh, didn't do a whole lot after that. But again, I'm going to get back to the point. You're eating up. You, you have an advantage inside. Broom is just eating up. Alabama had no answer, and all of a sudden yep. you ignore your center. I don't get it. I don't How you could go three, four, five minutes, and he doesn't even touch the ball, and they're jacking up shots from way outside. I mean, it was almost like first one over the midcourt line is taking a three for whatever reason. Because that's, that's what we do now. And that's not just an Auburn problem. That's a basketball issue. Guys want to score. And they want to score from as far away from the bucket as possible. And basketball has become one of the least team-oriented sports, generally speaking, that you will ever see. But if you're having success at doing something— You're preaching to the choir. Trust me. You I have success. I can't imagine—I'd I, really like to be able to talk to Chad Pruitt about that. Doesn't the coaches—don't the coaches say, look, guys, we're scoring easily inside. They can't stop him. Why are you throwing up 28-footers? Yeah, I, I watch a lot of basketball on a lot of levels. I can't I, – I've seen teams where a guy will be hot where they won't throw him the ball because everybody else wants to score. It's it's ridiculous. I see it on all levels. Uh, this is my get-off-my-lawn moment here today uh, after after my little Greg McElroy rant. I, I, it just – it's – yeah, somebody in that probably put it better. It's the Curry effect, right? But the difference is with Curry when he was hot, teammates would get him the ball. Right, it's like LeBron, um, not LeBron, Kobe's final game where they just kept feeding him the ball, which was a little ridiculous because he had all those points, but he took a million shots. Uh, we we just don't do it. If you have a big guy that's dominating, here's an idea: throw him the ball. Then you work inside out. He gets doubled, then he kicks, and you get it back. But kids today, they don't care. They just want to jack it up. So the fact that they were at one point one for eleven and shooting threes doesn't bother them. No, because it's it's all added. Shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. You can't get hot if you don't shoot it. You can't stay hot unless you don't shoot it. Uh, it's an epidemic, people, of epic proportions. Um, all right, let's do this. We got to do a scoreboard traffic and weather because we got to do a scoreboard. Um, we got some your daily dose of fried deliciousness. 
Eli Gold's going to join us at 7.30. Uh, Jim Nagy at 8 o'clock. Jay Crane at 8.30. And, of course, you in, in between all that. We're also going to give you uh, another shot at uh, Francia's formal uh, affairs tales giveaway. Uh, we're going to get somebody qualified here between now and the end of the show. So stay with us. Plenty left. It's the uh, opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. The Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, it's 723, boys and girls. Here's your daily dose of fried deliciousness. Hit it, Lee Shervanian. Todd Helton is one of the three newcomers to the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a uh, terrific athlete coming out of Tennessee. He attended Tennessee to play baseball and to play football. So the question today is, when he was at Tennessee, for the first two years of his football career, he backed up Heath Shuler. In his junior year, the starting quarterback, Jimmy Colquitt, was injured. So Helton took over, but then he suffered a knee injury some four games into the season. Who was the quarterback that replaced Todd Helton at Tennessee in that junior year? All right, if you know the answer, 694-1055. In fact... If this were any other show, I might take only wrong answers. But no, we need the right answer. By the way, on Twitter, it's already up. Greg McElroy started the show with a public apology to Alphonse Taylor. Says his emotions got the best of him, and he reached out to him and apologized. So Alabama alum need to take care. Says that Alabama alum need to take care of each other. There it is. You know the what he should have done? apology he said he was going to give. I'll tell you what. Here, here's, if he was smart, this would have been the extra mile. He should have had Alphonse on the air with him apologizing. Ah. I'm serious. That that would have, to me, shown that he was a bigger guy and that to bring on Alphonse, you know, Alphonse, I really apologize on the air to him. I think that would have gone a long way than just an apology that he did on his Birmingham show. All right, so there it is. If you missed it, they got into it. He uh, he called. Uh, he said that Alphonse Taylor. He didn't even remember Alphonse Taylor on the team, and that all he remembers is that he was described as the laziest guy on the roster. All of this because Greg McElroy got very sensitive to the idea. So the Caden Proctor story. Shank was one of the guys that said, man, there was tampering going on there with Caden Proctor when we went to Iowa. And he and McElroy was saying, no, it's about relationships and blah, 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 blah. So, like, this one really innocent tweet about, hey, it was tampering from Alphonse, I don't know, hit a nerve with McElroy. And McElroy just went nuts and went on this big rant about how he's sick of the narrative that he's anti-Alabama and – you know, your opinions don't matter. I don't care what you guys think, but I'm not anti-Alabama, so clearly you care what he, they think, and I'm going to go after a former Alabama player for no reason other than I'm very sensitive and thin-skinned. Well, he apologized. It's, right. it's very weird, too. It's I mean, I don't understand McElroy's take to begin with. I mean, Proctor pretty much said word for word without using the T word that he was tampered with, and I don't really care. Like, everyone's doing it. I'm not up in arms about that, but... 
It's just a weird position for Greg to take to say, like, no, this this wasn't tampering. He clearly wasn't. T- it's about relation. I mean, no, he, he was tampered with. And I think that's why the Alabama fans were kind of on him because, obviously, Alabama fans are going to say it was tampering. Uh, but it he, he talked about how he doesn't ma- it doesn't matter what people think of him, but this whole situation is obviously – him being irritated with what people think of him. Yeah, but the whole the, the whole thing about Taylor though, they never played together. They weren't on the same field. They weren't teammates. Right. How do you make a comment about somebody that you never played with that you never basically saw day to day? Thing on tampering, what's not tampering these days? When let's say Ryan Williams is trying to figure out a school and you got all these people sending texts and trying to get him to go here and there. What what today is well, not tampering? That's, that's recruiting. The idea that you're already at a school yeah, and then two different things. you're at my school and Michael wants you at his school. So Michael as a as a coach or an admin at another school is texting you while you're at my school saying Hey man, we got a spot open. Uh, you know, if this whole you know, I saw that South Florida film, bro. If it if it doesn't if it doesn't work out in Tuscaloosa, uh, there's a spot for you over here. Like they're openly recruiting signed and players that are playing on active rosters. But that, um, that goes on everywhere. Well, that's kind of McElroy's point. Like you don't want to you don't want to start throwing out these accusations that this guy's tampering, that guy's tampering because everybody's doing it. Of course, the, the flip side of that argument is just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. Then around and around we go. You know, the uh, it, it, you've heard it before. It was on the mo- uh, morning show, the overnight show. And basically, uh, the, the I forgot the guy's name. He was replacing Amy. He just basically came out and said, look, college football's broken. That's it. it it's just broken. It's Well, uh, it's, it it's might crazy. be broken, but McElroy was completely and totally out of line by saying the things he said about Alphonse Oh, ab- absolutely. But as far it, as it the lacked professionalism, it lacked objectivity. As he pointed out, in a, sk- in a thick skin. In the NFL, con- you have contracts. You know, you can't break contracts. Coaches in college, they break contracts all the time. Uh, we get a winner there, uh, Michael? Yeah, Brandon. Brandon got the answer to your question. Easy answer with Peyton Manning replaced uh, Todd Helton, and the rest is history at Tennessee, although he did not win a championship there. Uh, Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Todd. He's next. Jim Nagy at 8 o'clock. Jake Crane at 8.30. Hang with us. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP. and 50 point wins we weren't going to get a 60 or 50 point win over number six team in the country but we were going to need an effort like we got after some losses last year to get a win period this year and shoot i mean it was basically a one possession game down the wire so it, it took a monumental effort and we were a lot tougher than we were against tennessee 732 that's the voice of alabama basketball coach nate oates after uh, the Crimson Tide uh, beat Auburn last night in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner right here on the sports station WNSP. He was feeling his oats after last night, that's for sure. All right, uh, we've got the Senior Bowl coming up. Jim Nagy will join us at 8 o'clock. We look ahead to next week where Mark and I and Michael Bronner will be positioned at the convention center, hopefully interviewing uh, quite a few Senior Bowl players and bringing you the best of the Senior Bowl in 2024, presented, uh, I should say, the title sponsor, Chavez Furniture. And our presenting sponsors are Greer's Market, DK Suit Discounters, 
Joe Bullard, Chevrolet, uh, and also uh, Rich's Car Wash. So we're really looking forward to uh, that show next week. He might need a, an alternate there. He does? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you Speaking of, yeah, we're uh, we're looking forward to being over there. We've talked, all, and we'll talk to Jim about this coming up. But the the, the depth of the roster, uh, especially the quarterback situation, is one I think most people kind of turn their heads about. Uh, we want to thank some folks in addition to our presenting sponsors. So many people. There's so much that goes involved that's involved with our Senior Bowl coverage. So many people to thank. Uh, people like Mobile Mitsubishi, man, they've been outstanding partners with us uh eight alabama insurance office of america our good friends lns air uh they uh they have been doing it upright and of course um the orthopedic group thank you for all that you guys do uh to make senior bowl coverage uh happen we'll uh, obviously be at the convention center starting on monday as we are every year so we're really looking forward uh, to that. So coming up, uh, he mentioned Jim Nagy. Uh, you guys continue in the app. You want to get in on Greg McElroy. We certainly want to hear from you on that. The Alabama game, Alabama-Auburn game last night was unbelievable. The intensity, the environment, I think everything about it uh, made for a really cool event. Um, Auburn man just had str struggled shooting the ball when they had to. And I thought somebody else in the app, one of our listeners probably said it best, when a, when a team like Alabama starts getting on the roll, uh, other teams, in this case Auburn, tend to feel like they have to respond immediately, and they put themselves in a hole. Miss some free throws down the stretch was really the big difference in that game. Eli Gold joins us now, thanks to Dex Imaging. Eli, welcome to the show. We've got a lot to talk about this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing wonderful. What a night for Alabama fans. Let's start out with the win over Auburn on the basketball floor last night. Your reaction. Yeah. That was huge. It was huge. And uh, you're right, uh, down the stretch, those free throws uh, were the difference. And uh, But Bama played, you know, Alabama's had that kind of an up-and-down go here lately. Uh, you, know, you live by the three, you die by the three. Uh, they didn't do well against Tennessee, obviously, uh, but did last night. So uh, it's a, a, a good, solid basketball team, but uh, there's a little, you know, hot and cold to them right now. But, yeah. Last night was huge. It really was. How about starting out the game with the power blackout? Then you had the yeah. presentation of the Iron Bowl. I mean, there was so much wrapped up into one game. It was kind of a shame that it started out with the delay because th there was so much. This was ESPN's uh, featured game last night. Yeah, who knows? It's one of those things. I, I don't even know what happened uh, uh, with the uh, – why the power went out. But whatever it was, uh, you know, things got squared away within what? 12 minutes, 13 minutes, and uh, and and that was that. But uh, it, it still didn't hurt the evening. Uh, I can't be concerned about ESPN's ratings, but uh, you know it didn't hurt the evening, and it turned out to be a a, a heck of a comeback uh, by Auburn down the stretch to make it a tight, tight ball game. Yeah, they were down by 14 at the half. What do you look at some of the uh, contributing factors in Alabama's win yesterday? What stuck out? Well, hitting the freebies and, and hitting some threes and, and just not getting totally rattled uh, is, you know, I think the, the overall, the overall uh, thinking there. You know, this is a different team than last year's team. We all know things change in the world of college sports, but, uh, you know, the, the other 
constant, if you will, has been Nate Oates and the way he has the team thinking. And I, I like the way they play. I really do. One of the concern, though, would be the inside game again. You know, when they had to play Purdue and Edie, and then Broom, yeah. Broom was just eating up Alabama inside. And for whatever reasons, uh, Auburn abandoned going inside and decided to jerk up threes from all over the place. But down the stretch, you get to some of the NCAA tournament games. Uh, that big man missing could be a real factor. It could be a factor, yeah. It was in Toronto, you're right, when they uh, lined up against Purdue. It was a factor. Uh, it's going to be something to that they have to work on and, and what have you. You're right. Uh, you, you nailed that one on the head. But uh, uh, overall, and there's still, you know, they, they are no longer, there were a lot of people who were saying that uh, Alabama was a, a pretender uh, as opposed to a contender. And I think last night beating a top 10 team proves that uh, when they're on, and that's the, the operative term, you know, when they're on and when they're playing their best, they are definitely a contender to beat anybody. You know, it's interesting because, you know, Nate Oates is actually the one who uh, challenged the team to be a contender instead of a pretender. But when you look at the games that they've played in the top 10, all of them were on the road. So finally, yeah. they get a home game against a top 10 team and they win. But it just goes to show you, and this happens so often in college basketball, you're at an advantage at home more so than when you're on the road when they had to go to Creighton, they go to Arizona, and then, of course, they went up to Canada to play Purdue. Yeah, there's no question about it. The home court means a heck of a lot. Uh, you know, it even it does any time. It did back in the Wimp Sanderson days when I was doing the the basketball games, game in and game out. Uh, it was it's always a factor. It is, but um, you know, you got it's it's no different for anybody else. Though everybody deals with home game advantages and road game disadvantages. You just have to make sure it it works. The other major story, of course, and maybe even a bigger story, at least in these parts, Ryan Williams' recommitment to yeah. Alabama. What does it mean to you? Well, I think it's wonderful. It shows that, uh, not that anybody doubted it, but it shows the ability to recruit uh, in this area, even though the commitment had been made and what have you. We all know the circumstances, but uh, it, it shows that Coach DeBoer has been able to come right in and, uh, you know, yes, there have been some losses. There are some, some guys who have gone elsewhere, but it also shows that he is able to hang right in there and battle for the very best talent and get them recommitted, in this case, uh, to the Crimson Tide. I think that was, uh, that was a huge, um, I don't know if you want to say a, a, a calling card or a, a business card, but it was a, hey, I can do this, and don't you worry that, you know, the majority of my work has been on the West Coast or what have you. Uh, he's, he stepped right into the SEC footprint and, and made a big reacquisition. Ryan Williams uh, scheduled to sign February 9th. Jalen Milrow likes to throw the long ball. Williams likes to catch the long ball. So everything looks Sounds like to a be. marriage made in, made in heaven, it, huh? It really does, or made in Tuscaloosa for sure. And yeah. who knows how this could open up other recruiting avenues because that was that was the thing that I said. Uh, to make a big splash, it reminded me of when Nick Saban took over to Alabama to get Julio Jones to come in, and now yeah. DeBoer gets uh, Ryan Williams. At least we think he's definitely going to have him uh, February 9th. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And you're right, it's, it needed to, he needed to make that big splash.
Kobayashi signing or re-signing in this case uh, to show that he is not going to be walked all over it, that he is going to be able to recruit, and just because he personally may not have as many contacts here in the Deep South as other coaches may, it uh, doesn't mean he can't build them, he can't he certainly can. Uh, you know, Nick Saban, like you say, had his first day uh, when when he moved from the upper Midwest to Baton Rouge. You know, he had his first day at LSU, and, and obviously they won a national championship there. So uh, it's I, I don't think there's a problem. Uh, I don't think there's a problem with Coach DeBoer. I mean, he's he's outstanding. He's, he's won everywhere he's been. And like I said, the, I guess it was last week, I don't care if you're in the NAIA, as he was for a number of his championships. I don't care what level. I don't care if you're playing out on Dauphin Street there in a, in a, in a local street league. If you can win the championship, you're good. And uh, that's where uh, he obviously has a, a wonderful, wonderful resume. Well, I'll tell you what, Eli, when you come down here for the Senior Bowl, you know, if you come by and, and join us, you can see how competitive Dolphin and Hallett Street is. It's it's quite the oh, activity. Oh, I'm sure you, you know, those two streets get together. You can just yeah. throw out the record books, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, you know, I wish I was going to be coming down on Thursday of that week. Um, I, I love the Senior Bowl. I, I really, uh, I, just, I don't know how many it's been now that I've been to. Uh, plus, I'm, when my wife and I are coming back this, uh, this year, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I wish I was going to be in on Thursday, though. I'd come and join you guys in the studio, but we're not going to be able to get away until Friday and, of course, for the game on Saturday. But nevertheless, maybe we'll catch up with you guys in the press box or something. Talking with Eli Gold, it's uh, presented by uh, Dex Imaging. Let me ask you this. You know, we've talked about what a week it is. It started out with Nick Dunlap, the golfer, winning a PGA event, the first yeah. amateur I understand. Doesn't he has a press conference today? Is he going to announce he's turning pro? I'm not aware of that. Uh, maybe you you apparently know more about that than I do. Uh, but uh, you know, it's hey, it's, it's it was a tough deal. I mean, the guy wins, and and it's so wonderful. And he'll get the money back, I'm sure, through the NIL, and you know, because that works not just for football and hoops. It works for for all sports. But you know, here's he would have walked away with a what was it, 1.6 mil, and instead got nothing uh, as far as a paycheck was concerned. But he did get exemptions to you know some some magnificent tournaments coming up and so on. So he'll be fine. But no, I haven't heard about that. Uh, I've been doing some other work here lately, and I haven't uh, haven't heard about that. That raises a question, which maybe we'll discuss later. Do you try to keep a golfer in school through NIL rather than let him turn pro? Hey, uh, I, we're going to let you go, but not before you tell us about uh, Dex Imaging. You talk about a pro, that's the company right there, Dex Imaging. I was watching the New York Rangers the other day. You know, we always talk about the, us in the Deep South, Mobile, Birmingham, what have you. There I was watching the Rangers on the tube the other day, and what did I see behind the goal on the Dasher boards? A big series of ads for Dex Imaging. Doesn't matter where you are, Midtown Manhattan or right there in, 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 in Mobile. Everybody knows Dex Imaging. They use sports in the local community to generate revenue to, yes, they sell machines and they 
take good care of them, but they also take some of that money and turn it right back into the community. And that's what I love about DEC. So whether you're a hockey fan of the New York Rangers or whether you're following the Jaguars or whatever it might be in Mobile, remember, folks, nobody does it better than DEX, D-E-X, DEXimaging.com. You need a machine? They've got one for you. Check it out. Eli, great stuff, man, as always. Safe travels down to Mobile. We look forward to seeing you. Yes, see you soon. Bye-bye. That's Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. When we... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say there is so many players. Like, we, we look at the kicker. Riker came back, and I think that had a lot to do with NIL money. So as we were talking about Dunlap, the golfer, do they make a concerted effort to keep him around for your golf team or just let him go? Well, I mean, I would, I would assume any coach worth his salt that is a competitor would try to keep their best guys. Yeah, and I wonder to what degree, how much do you have to come up with to keep a golfer in school? Yeah, I don't necessarily think that that's true mark i think if sewell felt he was ready to go to the pga he'd send him to the PGA. i mean it's kind of like saban telling a guy after his junior year you know all right you're ready to go to the nfl like there's no benefit to you to come right back. but let's not confuse say i mean saban also had four or five you know five stars on the depth chart behind whatever guy he was letting go Fair does, enough. does the golf coach have that same ace in the hole and here's the other pardon my pun yeah <laughs> hey but here's the other thing the golf season's about ready to begin. I mean, it's a spring sport. If he decides, if it's true that he turns pro today, then you've lost him for the year, and you you don't have others. Obviously, you can't recruit to bring in somebody to replace him at this point. You're just going to lose him right as the season begins. Now, again, I'm not that well-versed. John Marchetti is better at this than I am. But uh, I think if you're a golf coach, you'd sure hate to lose a guy as you're beginning the season. All right, uh, when we come back, you guys can jump in. We're going to wrap up our number two, 694-1055. Brian Williams has recommitted to Alabama. We spent a lot of time on the Alabama-Auburn basketball game. Man, things got – there was a little technical foul there. There was some controversy about was that a dirty stomp. We'll get into all that kind of stuff. Uh, there was a controversy on a three-point shot by Auburn. Grant Nelson got called for. We kind of debated that one a little bit. We'll get to all that coming up. And, of course, you guys can jump in. Jim Nagy's going to join us at 8 o'clock. Jake Crane at 8.30. Got to get somebody qualified for the Francia Formal Affairs Tales giveaway. Got a lot going on on a busy Thursday edition. Hang with us right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, this is Buckus Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. Welcome in on a Thursday edition. Thanks for hanging with us on a, well, Thursday at 7.51 here. Mark, Lee, and Braun are all in the studios at WNSP. Yeah, we're taking care of business today, and so is Bachelor Service. And I, I will uh, send out this little tidbit. Mark and I were talking about one of uh, Rick True's favorite coaches. I think he is, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, because Rick's uh, an Ole Miss uh, fan. And uh, we're talking about Bachelor Service, our team of the day. They've been in business for well over 50 years, I've lost count. I think it's about 55 or 56 years now. They've been servicing the heating and air conditioning needs of Mobile and Baldwin County homeowners. And I say this all the time. 
for anybody or any organization or any business to stay in uh, and going strong that long, that's all you need to know. I mean, that, that obviously they're doing, they're doing something right. They do have the $79 tune-up special for heating and air conditioning. They install Daikin heating and air conditioning equipment, and they make some of the most technologically advanced systems at a very affordable price point. Uh, you can reach uh, Bachelor Service. Of course, they, they have a website like everybody else does these days at bachelorservice.com. You can call them at 476-4321. And we've certainly uh, told you about the fact that they offer uh, generators. They offer plumbing services. But you know the most important thing? They offer good service at a very affordable cost. And again, take advantage of the $79 special. Give Bachelor Service a call. We certainly thank them for being our team of the day. All right. Uh, we have an opportunity for you to jump in here at 694-1055. That's the number. Uh, if you want to get in on the uh, – were you were, – uh, the Alabama basketball uh, went over Auburn. Did you think a, a technical foul was warranted on Sears for, quote-unquote, throwing the ball? I don't. I thought it was – it looked like it was just rolling the ball to him. I I mean, if you're going to throw something, throw it hard like a fastball. Like Don't, if you're going to earn the technical. Yeah, earn the technical. technical. I, I, the, the announcers had a different view of this. Ray uh, Williams, the uh, color commentator, he said it shouldn't have been. I just, I just thought it was a little bounce pass, a little bounce pass in the lane. And what it, would it do? It hit him in the, the leg or something, in the knee? Big deal. Yeah, I, if you remember last year, too, when things got chippy, Quinterly threw the ball. I can't remember who he threw it at, and I don't think he got a technical. That was a lot, a lot harder too. I wonder if the refs saw that and said, uh, "All right, we're not doing this again." No, I didn't think it should have been a technical. But they didn't re refresh my memory. They didn't initially call it technical. They did it on the replay, yes, right? Yeah, correct. Which I thought was spend, even. Yeah, they had even... to spend a lot of time on that going to the replay. And I, again, look, there obviously were compelling reasons. Wasn't our our uh, uh, Pat on there, Pat Adams. I think he was calling the game, wasn't he? You know him? Yeah, we do know yeah, him. Yeah, he was. He was actually. Yeah, yeah. Pat, I, I, no, Pat's from this area, uh, Michael, and we've tried. We can't get him on during the sh during the season, but afterwards, he's he's. I think he's been on with us at least once or twice. Yeah, he has. Yeah, Pat was on the uh, call of the game, and I, I. The more I looked at it, I'm like, is that really egregious? I mean, it's just a little. Passing the lane, it's not. It, it wasn't aiming at his midsection. It wasn't aiming at his head. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like. And why would? But it's but it's in. But why I, would Sears even do that? He wasn't fouled that hard. Yeah, well, if you've ever been like ridden up the court like he was ridden, like it's annoying. It, it, it's it, it's it. annoying. Get and with it. He that that should have been a that should have been called earlier than it was. He let him go all the way down the court. Um, and look. Guys are gonna guys are gonna play the way referees call it. So the play before there was a block charge that was really a block that Alabama should have been called for. There in in what they did, there was no call. Like they let him play, it got really rough. So then Auburn responds by being just as aggressive. Alabama gets testy, they throw the ball. I mean, that technical was nothing more than the referees trying to get a handle on the game that they let get away from them at that point. So, um, but. To say that the ball didn't hit anything or he didn't throw it hard is kind of like saying, man, I swung the axe, but it wasn't really close to your head, and, you know, it didn't actually hit you, so I really shouldn't be. You know what I mean? It's At what point do you does it become 
enough's enough. Where do you draw that line? So I think they were trying to get, I think they were trying to get it under control. Now the other interesting one uh, was the uh, Grant Nelson foul on the three pointer, where it was pretty clear there was a kick out. But if you watch the replay, he did get him on the follow through. So I don't feel one way or the other about it. It actually worked out to Alabama's advantage because Dude hit the first two and missed the third, which was kind of the kind of the beginning of the end for Auburn. Uh, but it was definitely a kick out. On first view, I'm like, oh, that dude kicked out for sure. But you had to go back to the replay to see that he actually made contact on the follow through. He's a pretty good shooter from outside. I've watched him a lot this year. So it looked to me that something had to, let's say, interrupt his shot to come up that short. I mean, we saw a lot of bad three-point shots yesterday. The guys were missing uh, the rim, the, the air ball. There were a lot of bad shots yesterday. His shot, to me... Something had to happen because I've seen him shoot the ball quite a bit. He's usually a pretty good shooter. Uh, you didn't. You thought it was a kick out. Oh, I. I mean, I don't. I mean, think you wouldn't. A, have I don't think there's any question on, even, that it was even, a kick out. Even on the, but uh, even on the replay, you didn't think you got him on the follow through. I, I thought the kick out came first. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to get Pat Adams. <laughs> you know, I didn't know he was from the yeah, area here. Pat's it's been a uh, guess. We have. Uh, Michael, we not only have Pat sounds like Adam. Michael's going back on Twitter and deleting yeah. a whole bunch. Well, of there's stuff. a reputation, <laughs> I, not from me, but there's Pat Adams has not the best we reputation amongst from, Alabama basketball. We fans. have in this area not only Pat, <laughs> who even calls NCAA tournament games, but we also have an official from this area who's in the NBA and has been calling games for a long, long time. I reached out to him during the off season. I've had him on the air, but only when I was doing a Spring Hill game because he played at Spring Hill. Uh, unfortunately, he did not get permission from the league to come on with us. By the way, you can for, for the record, the yeah, I, the, <laughs> the, uh, the app is Alabama confirming your opinion. fans don't love Pat Adams. But I guess my question is, show me a referee that you really like. Like, show me an official that people are like, man, well, he's they, really know, good. They, they don't know his name because then he doesn't become part of the, uh, right. the, the narrative. You shouldn't know the referee's right. name. If you we do, it's know. a problem. Yeah, if, if his name is bandied about... There was an official back in the time when I was calling <laughs> games, Steve Hanzo. He was like all he's he was a uh, he always had this dark tan or something like that, this tan. But he was probably the most well-known college basketball official back in the 70s. Uh, Steve Hanzo, I'll never forget that because he was like he was part of the act. It's like with the NFL because of his dark tan. No, it's oh, just okay. because of his the, the way he reacted and everything. He was really into it. It's kind of like these days in the National F Football League. There's like one or two officials out there that you just know them because of their biceps or because of the. You know, their look or the way they talk or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got nothing to say to that. So, oh, that's very unusual that you don't. Uh, no, I'll just I'll let that one sit. You don't like that one? <laughs> I'll tell Pat you're asking for him. I, I, I mean, I have his number. That's that's OK. Honestly, you don't you don't have to do that. I help you I'm out. not asking I'll, I'll for help him. I'll help you out. Call him and ask him about his biceps. I know you're not. I, I know you're not on the app, Lee. Wasn't but Pat named, Adams is catching it, some flack. Okay. What about? Wasn't it Hockley? Ed Hockley. Yeah. Yeah, that was the guy. All right. Uh, Jim Nagy's gonna join us, I think, in, unless he heard the last two minutes of our show. And then uh, Jake Crane in hour number three as well. Here we go. Stay with us. Plenty left. It's the opening kickoff. <laughs> 
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Here we are, 8.04, hour number three. Man, it's been a busy Thursday. We appreciate you guys making us part of your morning. I'll say this, for the last couple of weeks, our next guest, uh, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, has had quite, quite a go of it. Uh, his Michigan Wolverines winning a national title. His favorite NFL team, Detroit Lions, still competing, going to the conference title game for the first time since 1991. And Jim and his outstanding staff navigating a senior bowl roster of not just seniors, but juniors, putting together the 75th anniversary concerts. My gosh, I don't know how he sleeps at all. Jim, congratulations. Uh, job well done. Well, don't congratulate me yet. We're, we're, we got to get through next weekend, but, but thank you, Lee. No, it's, there's a lot going on. It's been, it's, uh, you're right. It's been a lot to navigate, but it's been fun. So, so who's speaking of work? Who's sorting all that gear that just came in? I saw you tweeted a picture, man. That that looks that's not a one person job. No, that is that is a. We are going to have a crew down here tomorrow. <laughs> We've got uh, five 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 players from UMS Wright, five players from Baker High School. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, and all of our and all of our equipment staff, and they're going to be loading up the trucks and taking this all out to Hancock Whitney. You know, I, I will say this also. You know, we, you know, Jim praised his staff during the press conference, but there are a lot of volunteers. People, when I I go down there and I I, I was reunited with people who've been working with the Senior Bowl for years and years long before Jim. Uh, was the executive director I've been there for years that really do help out in their own time Jim at the press conference you mentioned and, and correct me if I'm wrong that this may be the most talented roster you've brought in do you want to pick up on that yeah it, it is and it like I said it should be uh, it should be the most talented roster when you can when you have access to the junior class uh, and we got about 20 of those guys and they're they're all you know, top 100 players, yeah, it should be a better roster. So, no, we're excited about it. Um, you know, the quarterbacks always drive the bus. I was talking to a friend of mine at the NFL Network um, yesterday, and uh, we, we've lost a couple players over the last, you know, couple weeks. Um, you know, they're good players. And he's like, he's like, Jim, don't worry about it. The core, You know, your quarterback class is great, and that's all we're going to focus on anyway. So, uh, no, it's, it's going to be fun having, you know, Bo Nix, who's just training down here and was down here in the office the other day, and Michael Penix and Spencer Rattler and, and you know, Michael Pratt over at Tulane. It's a lot of future, a lot of guys that could be future NFL starters. I think we, at opening day this year, we had 16 out of the 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. Um, so hopefully we can add to that group. All right. What is the, the schedule for practices? How is that lined up next week? Yeah, practices have moved. Um, we're moving to the morning. So we're going uh, the national team, which is uh, basically players from the, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the ACC. Um, they'll be going from 930 to 1130 at Hancock Whitney. And then the American squad, which is essentially the SEC against the world, um, <laughs> is going to go from noon until two. So we... You know, we, we, we took some criticism from another all-star game. They were kind of negative recruiting against us that we kept our players up too late at night during interviews. 
So we shifted the schedule around. We're going to have all our guys wrapped up by 9 o'clock every night on the interview side of things. So um, that's what kind of precipitated it. But it'll be good. It'll get everyone out there um, to Westmobile early in the morning. Because, um, again, a lot of these NFL guys in the mornings, they, they didn't have anything to do. They are kind of just sitting around. So now we'll get them out there, um, get the evaluations, get the practice done, and then everyone will be back downtown. And, you know, these guys will hopefully be going to dinners and going to top golf and, and spending their money in our in our community uh, before they go into the interviews at night. You partially answered my next question. I was curious how you divided up the rosters, but I think you explained it pretty well. SEC versus the rest. That, that sounds like something you need to run by your PR folks, man. That, I think I think you could go a long way with that one, especially in this area. Yeah, you know, we had to do the American national thing a few years ago because everyone was getting on me about, you know, failing geography when I was in when, when I was in middle school because we had, I think it was the, we had just, we had Justin Herbert on the on the South team and everyone everyone's like Nagy like Oregon's not in the in right. the South but um, no it's it's we do we try to keep all those SEC guys together we try to keep all the teammates together um, so all the helmets are on the same team and. And then, uh, and then, most importantly, we want competitive balance on these rosters. We want the game day. We want the game day to be competitive. So, and it worked out that way. I mean, every year, I mean, we we split it up this way for five or six years now, uh, at least since I've been here. Um, there was no handbook. Phil Savage didn't hand me a handbook how to put the rosters together. So, um, that's how we've done it. And we've we've had some good games. For the public's sake, as far as their participation during the week, can they get autographs? Can they come out and take pictures? What what's the story there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, the practice. I mean, come out to practice. These guys are, are totally accessible. Um, you know, go down by the, the, the tunnel areas, and they, they come out. They give their gloves. They give their towels. Um, we, you know, they sign, each player signs 20 footballs when they do registration on Sunday, and they will be throwing those footballs um, in the parade on Friday night. So within about a five-block walk for these guys down uh, – down Royal Street and then taking a left at Battle House. I don't know what street that is on the other side of uh, the Enville Square here from us here at the office. But, you know, in about a, about a five-block walk, we're going to be throwing about 2,000 autographed footballs. So, uh, and, then, and then the other thing, this will be the third year we've done something we call our path to the draft. We, we parked the buses on the, uh, the Jumbotron side, so the south side of Hancock-Whitney Stadium. And uh, we barricaded off, but we have the guys, you know, it's a long walk from, uh, you know, where we park the buses into the stadium. And we encourage all the guys to stop, take pictures, sign autographs. So, And then after the game, shoot, we've had players at Hancock Whitney climb up into the stands to, to see their families and take pictures with high school coaches and family members. So, uh, yeah, our guys are our guys are really accessible during the week. Yeah, Jim, tell that other all-star game to stick that up there, negative recruiting, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. It's ridiculous, Mark. Like, you know, this all used to be a copacetic space and, and everyone could exist together and, and there's a guy running another game and he's he's uh he's created just a bunch of nonsense going on in the all star space. And again, like we could have we could have probably even more better juniors in the game this year, but I found out that he's He's telling a bunch of junior players to just go to that event to do interviews and and uh, not come to the Senior Bowl. Don't risk themselves on the practice field getting hurt. Just go there and do interviews, which again we would never allow to happen. I mean, if that's going to crumble the All Star, and, and and trust me, I've went to the league office about this already. If we're just letting guys come down and do interviews, then we're going to get none of them on the field to do anything. So, hopefully, this will be the last year where they pull that tactic. But. Uh, yeah, the fact that we're dealing with negative recruiting for an all-star space, it's, it's absurd. Tickets, uh, how are the tickets going right now? 
Yeah, we're closing in on a sellout, Lee. So that's good news. You know, we we have a, we have a little under two thousand left, and then la- and last year during game week alone, we sold over twenty five hundred. Um, so that's a good thing. I don't know if it's the the five thousand free bobbleheads. I don't know if it's uh, the seventy fifth anniversary members. You know, being introduced at halftime, and and again, those guys will be accessible. I mean, we're going to walk those guys into the stadium as well. Um, you know, the Cornelius Bennett's, the Sean Alexander's, Terrell Owens. I mean, there's some some greats. And then uh, Irvin, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. I don't know. I mean, but it's but the t- the tickets are are moving really fast, really over like the last two weeks, and and that's probably been since the Penix announcement. So on the seventy uh, fifth uh, anniversary of the the legends coming in, you mentioned that they're accessible on game day. Are they participating in anything next week? Um, not really, because they're not getting in. Most of them are getting in on either Thursday night or Friday morning. And then we have the gala on Friday night, which is a closed event, um, which, again, you, you mentioned our, our volunteer support. We have about a 400-person volunteer committee, and, and those are the majority of the people that are going to be at this gala. We wanted to do something to thank them for all their years of dedication to the game. And like you said, way predates me. Um, and we've had loyal committee members that have been a part of this thing for 30, 40 years. So, um, so that's going to be a closed event on Friday night. Peter Schrager, um, our buddy Schrags from Good Morning Football on the NFL Network is going to be emceeing that event. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but they will all be out there at the game on Saturday. We'll be uh, hopefully uh, trying to catch up with you next week and have you join us, but I can't let you leave us without telling us who would you like to see replace Jim Harbaugh at your uh, university. Oh, that's an easy one. Sharon Moore, um, the offensive line coach, who who did such a great job filling in for Jim this year. I was actually we were we were over in Pensacola last night for a community service day um, because of weather. We had to move it inside. We usually do a kids camp. Um, they have an NFL flag league over there, like we do. Um, so we had about 150 uh, kids, ages six to 12, out in a church gym in Pensacola, signing autographs and, and taking pictures with our guys. And two of the guys were, were Michigan offensive linemen. And the news broke. I mean, one of them saw it on his phone as we were there, the breaking news. And they both said, they're like, this is a no-brainer. They love Sharon Moore. He did a great job. So, And when you read what's out there on Twitter, I mean, it, it sounds like it's a done deal. He'll do, he'll do a great job. Hey, Jim, uh, before we let you go, I got one more for you. Um, February 3rd, not that we need anybody to tell us, but February 3rd is now officially Senior Bowl Day. How cool is that to go to the uh, city council and, and go through that? Yeah, it was it was really cool to thank uh, Mayor Sandy Simpson for for uh, you know that recognition. That was really cool. We we worked really hard to get the, the the city of Mobile's name out there over the years with our draft starts and Mobile tag. Um, and again, that's reached you know hundreds of millions of people over the years. So hopefully, you know, we just we keep we keep getting you know preaching Mobile, 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 not just Senior Bowl. We've really really tried to make the game synonymous with the city with everything we do here. Um, so no, that was great. And, and thank the city council. Um, um, you know they've they've been a big support. We we actually gave 500 charity tickets to the to the council for them to give out in their different districts this week. I know they had different drops in the different districts. So um, no, that was really cool. That was fun on on Tuesday. I'm hoping at some point we get a key to the city because I've always wanted to know what that thing actually opens up. So ho- hook us up when, yeah, you, when you get the cool. hookup. Yeah, that would be cool if you want if you want to get that if you want to start lobbying for that. I would we would love to we would love to get a key to the city. I'll, I'll need to get some PR guys. So I'll look for some other executive directors of all-star games to see if he can help me get that going. 
sounds like a plan. Hey, man, thank you. Uh, congrats on all the success, man. Uh, uh, we're looking forward to doing uh, being there at the convention center uh, start next week. Yeah, it's going to be a fun week. I'll definitely stop down and see you guys every day. There's going to be tons of players milling around, but uh, but it'll be fun. Thank you guys for all your promotion and support and, and uh, visibility for the game. So thank you guys. Yep, have a great one. Thank you, man. Perhaps the perhaps the key to the city can uh, get you off not having to pay parking tickets. Maybe. Ah. Yeah. By the way, uh, title sponsor, Senior Bowl coverage right here on WNSP all this week, all next week. Many thanks to uh, Chavez Furniture. Really appreciate you guys coming aboard. Our presenting sponsors, you'll be hearing these names a lot next week also. Uh, Rich's Car Wash, uh, Joe Bullard Chevrolet, uh, D&K Suit Discounters, and Greer's Markets. Uh, in addition, we want to thank Hal Hayes with Ultra Wash of Mobile, AFS Foundations, uh, Insurance Office of America, and Ward International. So many people to thank to make uh, for making our coverage of a Senior Bowl p possible. It's going to be a great Senior Bowl, great week of it, and uh, we continue our coverage uh, throughout uh, this week and next. All right, we're going to come back. It's your scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll reset. Uh, Jay Crane's going to join us at 8.30. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. Francia's formal affair tales giveaway. First person to get Bronner on the phone is qualified for a chance. Linda Francia is going to come on here uh, and next week, I believe, and announce a winner for the uh, prize pack of more than $600. It's a full set of tails. 100% Worstead wool, tail, coat, pants, white PK shirt, vest, bow tie, you name it. All good. This is a non-transferable uh, package here, so if you win, if Lee wins, Lee has to go pick it up. You can't give it to somebody else. That's how popular this is. We want to make sure the person that wins it gets it. We're going to thank the fine folks at Francia's for making it possible. Uh, and if you don't have, uh, you need a tux for a special occasion, wedding, Mardi Gras ball, make sure you go see them over there. They, they do it upright at Francia's Formal Fair. They've been in the business for decades, and they've remained family-owned and operated Um they take pride in their work. And like our good friend Jimmy Francia used to always come on and say, if you don't look your best, forget all the – if you want to look your best, forget all the rest. Uh, give him a call at Francia's, and we would thank Linda and all the fine folks over there. All right, let's talk to Roy Hudson now from Community Bank. I'm certainly looking forward to Saturday. Community Bank's got a nice little Mardi Gras thing going on. Good morning, uh, Roy. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's definitely Mardi Gras season for sure. So who in Mobile doesn't need a, a nice set of tails? So that's just a fabulous gift they're providing. I'm thinking that with all the, you know, the social, you're among the social elite in, in Mobile, that you do wear tuxes uh, quite a bit, more than me for sure. Quite, quite, 
Quite a bit. I think the entire banking community, we just, you know, community bank, communities in our name, we're always out there in the community. And it's, it was so nice listening to the Jim Nagy describe the Senior Bowl, another great event here in, in Mobile. And, you know, I think that's what that's what we enjoy so much here at Community Bank is getting out and being part of that because, you know, there's several people here that are associated with the Senior Bowl and been doing it, like he said, for years. I've enjoyed my time over, golly, a couple decades now being associated with the uh, – the Senior Bowl and, and you know, Mardi Gras. It's, it's just a fun time to be in Mobile right now. Uh, and congratulations to you guys because I know the, you, you guys over at Community Bank named among the uh, 2023 top five mortgage originators. That's uh, that's pretty high uh, acclaim right there. Yes, yes. We do a fantastic job with the uh, the, the mortgage department. So, yeah, it's a great recognition and, and also recognizes one of the, the better places to work in terms of banking across the country. So, all of the staff here, like myself, we just, I think you can see it, Lee, when you come in, that uh, the team just enjoys being here. We enjoy servicing the customers, and, and we talk about how we deliver those products and services. And I think it's just a little bit different, and we take pride in being owners because, you know, we're, we're uh, all the staff owns a little bit of the bank, uh, fortunate to do that. So it's, it's just how we, we go about how we look at uh, delivering those products and services. So tell us, Roy, how can our, our listeners uh, become accustomed to a community bank if they're not already working in tandem with that? Yes, and, uh, thank you. Know. We invite everyone in, and, you know, we have a number. The uh, the main line is 338-770-7707, excuse me. And then we have the five locations, uh, uh, the one down at the beach that we've recently opened up and the two in Mobile and two in Baldwin County that we just invite anybody to walk in and, and just ask or tell us what they're looking at doing, and uh, they'll be directed to the right person. Hey, uh, as always, Roy, we thank you for everything you do here at WNSP, including uh, your uh, your supporting of our Senior Bowl coverage, which starts, uh, which which continues Monday from the Convention Center. Man, thank you so much for everything. Yes, thank you. That's uh, Roy Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, we only got a minute here, but we are gonna uh, be joined by Jake Crane. Uh, that's coming up next. Uh, Ryan Williams, a big story. Uh, today, obviously, last, yesterday he has recommitted to Alabama, as you mentioned in our in the scoreboard. Uh, huge get for DeBoer. We've talked a lot about it today. Um, the big the big question was whether or not he would be able to recruit. Clearly, to date, his best recruiting job, right, uh, since being on. Uh, in fact, the first tweet by the head football coach at Alabama ever took place yesterday when he reposted the fact that uh, Ryan Williams had recommitted. There yeah, had I never mean, been a tweet from an Alabama f head football coach ever until yesterday. And the fact that he could come in and so quickly bring in Ryan Williams because of the concern that he was visiting other campuses and because Nick Saban had left that he might depart and go somewhere else. And DeBoer did not let that happen. So credit him and his staff for uh, – doing the diligence to bring in Ryan Williams with the recommit. Yeah, so we uh, talked about whether or not NIL played any role in that at all. I've been uh, been told by somebody who would probably know uh, NIL had nothing to do with it. We can get into that in a little bit. Stay with us. The opening kickoff. Uh, 
the fragmented start to the game with the light malfunction and anything else that may have gone on in the game from your side, did it impact your, your team at all? No, I don't, I don't think it impacted us at all. I gave Nate a hard time. I said, look, if you guys want a new facility, just get a new facility. You don't have to turn the lights off or, you know, something like that. But, no, nah, just it was one of those things that happens. That's uh, Auburn coach Bruce Pearl. Uh, he had a sense of humor at the end, he, even after a tough loss against Alabama. So kudos to him. We're now joined by Jake Crane, the Jake Crane uh, podcast, uh, very familiar to many of you. Uh, he's coming to the Senior Bowl. Jake, good morning. How are you today? And I'm doing great, guys. Ready to uh, get down to Mobile, man. I need some tuna dip. Well, let's uh, first of all hit that, and then we're going to get to the NFL. What's attracting you to the Senior Bowl this coming, uh, well, next week? What, what are you looking forward to? Well, you know, the whole experience. I, I think what Tim Nagy and, and that crew has done is, is just been unbelievable with, with, you know, first off, keeping it in Mobile. But, uh, I mean, you look at the roster this year. I mean, we talk about the depth in the class, you know, at quarterback. But, I mean, they got some big-time names coming down there. It's always such a well-run um, uh, program, and it's, it's so good for all the players and, and being able to see everybody. I'm looking forward to the whole thing, man, the, the whole environment. And, and, like I said, getting back down to the two five one and, and it should be a heck of a time. You know, I feel like you could be one of those guys, you specifically, if they had some sort of promotional thing at the Senior Bowl where they took like one media guy or entity and ran him through the whole week so he could get an idea of what it's like, you'd be like the perfect guy for that. Well, thanks. I mean, if you want to, I'd be faster than Rich Eisen. I can promise you that. Well, so would Lee. I mean, we don't really set that's like being that's the taller, short guy. That's true. Yeah. But I just feel like I think you would bring a certain uh, levity to it. You'd have a little football knowledge. You could, you could, you. I, I'm, I'm gonna talk to Jim next time about seeing if we can make that happen. Hey, tell, it, tell him, look, man, whatever gets me more Reese's, I'm good. <laughs> Hey, don't forget, uh, you're on call in case Mark has to leave me early like you filled in last year. You did a great job last year. Clearly, he doesn't hold Look, a grudge. Hey, hey, I'm like Booby Miles, man. Just put me in. Let me spin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I know you like talking NFL. Uh, give us your take on the NFL uh, conference championship games this week. Who do you like in Detroit and the 49ers and why? Well, you know, I, I – the way I look at it, it's like this. I, I'm, root, I'm, I'm secretly rooting for the Lions just because, you know, it's a great story. They've kind of taken the moniker of America's team with what Dan Campbell's done this year and their lack of success. But when I look at this 49ers team, you know, I feel like they got through the one game where they didn't play well and still survived. We see it in the NCAA tournament. Any postseason, sudden death, winner-go-home format when you have to win multiple times to be able to win a championship or Super Bowl or whatever have you, you're not always going to play well. And it's the team that can win in the most ways. And I know the weather is going to be better uh, in San Francisco than it was last week, which, you know, Brock Purdy has carnival hands, so that helps out. But I feel like the Niners are just a more complete team, and I don't feel like they will play as bad as they played against the Packers. And I'm not you know, I want to give the Packers their flowers. I mean, what they did against the Cowboys and the Niners was unbelievably admirable, and the future's right there. But I don't see the Lions secondary playing as well as they did against the Buccaneers again against the 49ers, and I don't see the 49ers playing as bad overall as they did. Uh, I think they find a way, but listen, I mean, Detroit, it almost feels like they're playing with free money. 
they're playing loose, and there's something to be said for that. They truly believe they can win. But I think the 49ers and the Ravens are the two most complete teams that are left, and that's why they're the two best teams. So give me the 49ers, but I would love to be wrong. Does that mean you're also uh, favoring the Ravens over Kansas City? And what a quarterback duel, huh? Mahomes and Jackson? Yeah, there's only one person that can save us from Taylor Swift now, and it's Lamar Jackson. But but it goes back again to what I said about team balance. And it's amazing what happens when you give Lamar Jackson adequate weapons on the outside. Now, everybody's talking about the Chiefs offense kind of finding themselves, and that's true, right? We know Patrick Mahomes is the witchiest of all the witches. But I don't think people are talking enough about what Steve Spagnuolo has done on defense, not just game planning, but I don't think they've given up double-digit points in a second half in like the last eight games. What they've done on defense has been incredible adjusting throughout, but I just feel like the Ravens, when you look at their balance as a team, and it's not just offense and defense, I can promise you, Justin Tucker is not missing that field goal. He's the greatest NFL kicker of all time. They do a great job from a punting standpoint and field position standpoint. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to win. I think we're going to have a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, and man, that would be a heck of a match. Do you think the NFL, though, secretly or privately is rooting for Kansas City because of the emergence that maybe Taylor Swift could be there? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, Roger Goodell and the NFL wants the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl. And it's not just because of Taylor Swift, but that's a huge added bonus. To be honest with you, I think it's a big play anyway. I don't even know if they truly love each other. I don't know them personally, but it just – I don't know. It just doesn't feel super genuine to me, but that's just my instinct in the situation. But make no mistake, the NFL would love if the Lions played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right, so let me ask you this, though. And and I'm not saying you're right or wrong about the whole Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey thing, but if this was all kind of a big uh, ruse and the NFL could pick one athlete to to – to match with Taylor Swift to get better ratings, who would it be? Oh, if you talking about that still that still left, uh, if they could pick one that would be, I mean, I don't know if there's one athlete out there that could, I don't think you can replace the Swifties. I mean, it's a phenomenon. Whether you love her or hate her or don't like her or whatever, there's a huge portion of the country, men and women, that are massive Taylor Swift fans. No, I think it's more of a, a team situation, an underdog story. And that's the Lions. They're America's team, right? They've kind of taken over that moniker. So I don't think there's one athlete out there that could match the the type of PR that Taylor Swift br- brings. But no, if no. anybody could match it, I think it would be the collective of the Lions no, what I'm saying, that story. No, what I'm saying is if it wasn't Travis Kelsey that she was with, which oh. other NFL player would oh. make more sense to get the more bang for your buck with that, you know, union? Patrick Mahomes, right? Oh, it, it has to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, who, who, who else? He's the most famous NFL player that's left. Uh, I mean, maybe Lamar Jackson. I, I, I don't know. That, that's a good question. Uh, I think Mahomes, I agree with you, more commercials than Lamar Jackson. He's all over the oh, place. Oh, God, State Farm would just have – they would just have a field day with that. Absolutely. And, and, the, and those nuggies. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe Andy <laughs> Reid. Maybe that's the one. Surprise all of us. I don't know if you can answer this question. Including Andy Reid. But I raised it yeah, earlier. Jim Harbaugh to the L.A. Chargers, does the NCAA table its investigation and just let it sit since he's left the uh, Michigan program? Well, you know, we asked 
actually talked about that this morning. It's it's an interesting thought because on one hand, you could look at it and say, well, you know, Jim Harbaugh's leaving. That takes a little bit of pressure off of Michigan. Uh, or on the flip side, you could say, well, Jim Harbaugh kind of escaped. Are they going to do what they did to USC when Pete Carroll was kind of in not the exact same situation, but kind of a similar situation where they still hammered USC? I I don't think these sanctions, if any, comes down on Michigan, are going to be as brutal as what people think. So I would tend to lean toward it would make them a little bit lighter, right? Um, but with the NCAA, man, trying to guess what they're going to do is, I mean, you might as well close your eyes and throw a dartboard at a map. I See, I, from afar, I thought their whole intent was to get Harbaugh. I didn't think it was so to get Michigan. And Michigan's already instituted stone sanctions against them going back to the COVID years, I think, for recruiting violations and everything. But I think their whole intent, because of Harbaugh allegedly lying to them, that was their whole intent. And do you think that Michigan stalled in their contract negotiations, hoping that Harbaugh would leave and just get the nightmare away from them? You know, I I don't think so. Um, I'm not the biggest Ward Manual fan. They're AD. I know a lot of Michigan fans. Uh, aren't the biggest Ward Manual fan, but but I think they were going to do what what they could to keep them. What the the part that I found um, kind of the most interesting is I wondered if the NCAA would have gotten more upset if Jim Harbaugh would have stayed at Michigan and they had that clause in his contract where it doesn't matter what the NCAA is, uh, they're not going to do anything with him from a firing or hiring standpoint. I thought that maybe would aggravate the NCAA more. Um, but at the end of the day. If I'm Michigan, why would I not do what Penny Hardaway and Memphis basketball did? Like, okay, give us sanctions. We're just not gonna. We're not gonna do it. What are you gonna do? Right. I mean, you're losing all your power anyway. So I wondered if he stayed and that clause was in the contract. If they would try and go after Michigan harder, but obviously that didn't come to fruition. So are you buying? There was some stuff on uh, social media yesterday that. Michigan just kind of waited too long. Like they finally were going to give Jim Harbaugh and his attorney the the, the language they he, they wanted in the contract, but it was too far down the road with the charges already. Uh, do you buy that maybe they dragged their feet and they didn't do everything they could have early enough to secure him? Um, I, I think that's a legitimate possibility. Uh, when you look at the way that administration has kind of worked uh, with Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you know, not, not only them, but but the Big Ten as well. I mean, they didn't even have a notice of allegations, and Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, levied a, a suspension on Jim Harbaugh. So I, I would not. The question to me is not if they drag their feet, is if if they drag their feet on purpose. That that's the question. Uh, but I, it does seem like they were a little bit late to the dance because you know as well as I do, if. If this was an SEC school, if this was Alabama or Auburn or LSU, that that contract would have been made and done and on his desk pronto. Are the Chargers now relevant? Yeah, uh, yes, uh, for for many reasons. I mean, you look at the roster; it's you've got a lot of really good pieces. I think you got to go out and get a couple guys on defense. I think at the linebacker position, but but the main thing, a lot of it is health, right? The Chargers, kind of like the Dolphins, have been really beat up. But you've got Justin Herbert. You've got Austin Eckler. People are saying – and you've got a top-ten pick, I believe. People are saying they're going to get Brock Bowers. But the thing about Jim Harbaugh is he's already coached and had success in the NFL. You can't – 
experience is the unteachable intangible in everything. And getting him to the Chargers, and if you look at the quotes from Harbaugh about taking the job, he talks about how they are going to go all in financially, which the Spanos family hasn't done. They don't even have their own practice facility. But he talked about having infrastructure and, and pouring the money into it that you need to go win a Super Bowl. So, yes, I think they are way more relevant right now with Jim Harbaugh than they ever were under Brandon Staley. All right, the uh, importance of Ryan Williams uh, recommitting to Alabama. How do you see that? Yeah. Well, it's it's huge. Now, I'm not going to go as far as, as I've seen some people say that this is a, his Julio Jones moment because, to me, that that's just not true. If you look at where Alabama was when Nick Saban took over as opposed to where Alabama was when Kalen DeBoer took over, that Julio Jones commitment – Kind of, kind of said, hey, Alabama is back, and you had a bunch of commitments that followed that. This felt more like Alabama was bleeding a little bit, and Ryan Williams went in and put a tourniquet on it and gave some positive news on the recruiting front after you lost Caleb Downs, after you lost Sean Murphy, after you've seen some, you know, Isaiah Bond go to Texas, you missed on a couple recruits. I think it kind of injected a lot of positivity uh, to Kalen DeBoer early and answered some people's questions on whether or not he would be able to recruit. Now, I do think his system, and it didn't hurt when you have Michael Penix telling Ryan Williams to go there, and you have three wide receivers that are going to go straight to the NFL. I mean, if you're a wide receiver, why would you not want to play for Ryan Grubb as an offensive coordinator and Kalen DeBoer uh, as a head coach? But I would be very easy before I would I would start saying a Julio Jones moment because those are two different situations, in my opinion. He's uh, Jake Crane. Uh, we love having him on. Uh, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, tell folks how they can uh, check out Crane Company and all the good stuff that you're doing over there. Definitely, man. We got Tim Brando on tomorrow. Uh, we're talking everything still college football, NFL, college basketball. What what a uh, what a night last night for the state of Alabama uh, in college basketball and how far we've come really as a state in that sport. But yeah, we go live each weekday morning. 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We have live calls, a live chat. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Daily Wire. It's Crane & Company, C-R-A-I-N-N -N Company. If you can't catch us live, it stays there all day. And, yeah, man, we have a good time. Wait a minute. You got a good over there, right? You come in after we do and you get off way before we do. How, how does that work? Well, yeah, I mean, you know how it is, guys. When you cover sports, it really never never ends. And, I mean, we, uh, we're we all out doing radio hits, and we have our all-access today if you're a Daily Wire Plus member uh, where, you know, we spend an extra hour taking questions and stuff like that. But, look, it's like practice used to be as a coach. People used to complain about, hey, oh, why are we practicing at 7 o'clock in the morning? But then you get used to it, and I would much rather get the hard stuff out early and then have the rest of the day to look forward to and not be as intense. Fair enough. Hey, man, good stuff as always. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. All right, see you all soon. Yep. All right, one final segment of the day, closing up shop. Uh, you guys can jump in. We'll set the uh, table for tomorrow's show. Sure. Tomorrow's show. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee, Bronner, right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hey, this is AJ McCarron, and you're listening to WNSP. Day. A good show, a lot. We covered a lot, man. If you missed any of our interviews, 
I encourage you to go back and listen to him. Go to uh, just get WNSP now, wherever you get your uh, favorite podcast. You can play us back to your heart's content. But Alphonse Taylor was on talking about the beef with Greg McElroy. Greg McElroy went on his show today to apologize. Um, Brian Bosarge, always very good about the NFL draft and the Senior Bowl. Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Jim Nagy, and of course, Jake Crane. Uh, great stuff. Tomorrow, it just gets it keeps getting better. Yeah, Ben Thomas is going to be back with us. He'll talk about Ryan Williams. Paul Feinbaum will join us at 7, unless he's pulled away by ESPN. And then at 8 o'clock, Phil Rivers back with us to talk about the NFL playoffs. Wow, that is a whoa. pretty good. We got a whoa. What's the whoa about? Phil Rivers. He's also going to be the featured speaker, as we've mentioned many times, at the Special Spectators Banquet next Wednesday night at Moe's Barbecue, which gets underway at 6. They have a special Phil Rivers helmet. We'll probably have Blake Rockwell joining us during our show next week to talk more about that, and he'll have his display of helmets. I wonder, Bo Nix, we talked about Bo's helmet. Oregon-Auburn, do you split it? I would, but uh, but I'd be pandering to the state here. Uh but, yeah, I totally would. Would you? I would, yes. Three years at Auburn, just two at Oregon. Yeah, I totally, I totally would. Kind of got ran out of town by Auburn. Well, it's funny how a little time and distance will change people's sure. opinions of you. Are you uh, saying that the, the community ran him out or just one particular head coach? Well, I think kind of both. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve criticism. He didn't wasn't playing well. Uh, but, I mean, I think he got ran out of Auburn. I'll, I'll well, that. does it not show you that maybe if you have a supporting cast, you're not quite as bad as people thought you were? The fact that he had no offensive line, the fact that he wasn't gifted with wide receivers, the fact that he was running for his life almost every game? Yeah, I'm not arguing Bo Nix's career at Auburn. I'm arguing the fact that he got ran out of town by Auburn fans. I think Bo Nix is pretty good. I'm not disagreeing with you there. I mean, you're going to be in charge of locating him for our show next week, so good luck to you. <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything negative about the guy. I'm saying a factual Even when statement. Even we're not arguing, we're arguing on this show. I can't believe it. But, I mean, do you think that was more— It's like see, Greg McElroy and Alphonse Taylor over I don't here. know if Bo would ever want to get into it, but was it Harson that kind of ran him out? I don't think Harson begged him to stay. Hope you're a little more diplomatic with the way you phrase your questions if we do indeed get Bo Nix. I could just see it. So, Bo, did, did you get run out of Auburn? That'll be the first question. I just see it. I just I, I have this, this sense. It's our major Apple White first interview all over again. <laughs> <laughs> People in the app agreeing with us. Uh, good stuff. By the way, uh, with Harbaugh out of the mix now, that leaves Variable, Belichick, Carroll. I don't think Carroll's going anywhere. I think he's a consultant with Seattle. But I'm not hearing anything on Bill Belichick. I think he's going to be left without a job. I'm wondering that myself. Two interviews with the Falcons. Are teams turned off by him? And if they are, why? The well, guy's almost the winningest coach ever. I think there are a few reasons for that. But, yeah, the Falcons thing... It, it seemed like it was imminently about to happen, then completely cooled off. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I understand why a team would be turned off by Bill Belichick. He's 72 years old. 
He's never been a winning coach without Brady. He's probably wanting to bring his own staff, probably including Josh McDaniels. I don't know what he wants in terms of GM Are power. Are you anti-anyone over 70, by the way? Uh, to be an NFL head coach, I'm not pro. What, what about what to if be a Nick Saban? radio talk show host? Yeah. How do you feel about it? Guys over seventy. Yeah, think I we should hypothetically, just, just think rhetorically. I think you took that more personally should than we, you should uh, have. Lee? Be sent to a nursing home or something. Yeah, probably. Okay. No, no, <laughs> no. What no. if what if Nick Saban assisted living facilities? People, come on. What if Nick Saban? What is he? Seventy-two? Yes, something like that. I believe. What if he was interviewed for an NFL job? Yeah, I, I, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that's happening. It's not, but it. It brings to the point that it would have been fascinating because I know when he retired. Now, I knew that he's not going to be looking at an NFL job, although back when, you know, he was interested in the NFL and there was always talk that he might go back there and that did not materialize, thank you for your Alabama fans. But and, and it looks like he's earmarked for television. But at the age of 72, do you I mean, what? Besides the age, is there any deterrent for hiring Bill Belichick? Well, the fact that he's had a bad team for the last three years doesn't exactly uh, inspire confidence. It's fair. It's fair. I, I don't think like people should. People clearly are not jumping at the opportunity to hire Bill Belichick. I mean, he's stubborn, stuck in his ways, and some would argue the game has passed him by. I. It's kind of hard to argue against at this point. And the team was four and thirteen, largely because of his horrendous moves as general manager. So I don't like. Is he willing to come in and you know let a forty-year-old GM call the shots? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But and it was uh, almost a foregone conclusion that the the, the narrative, all these so-called talking heads. Oh yeah, he's leaving the Patriots, but he's going to go to Washington. He's going to go to the Chargers. He's going to go to the Falcons. Yeah, I think you're seeing that. Uh, the consequences of his moves over the last couple of years are being felt, and he might be left without a job. I, I'm not blaming any team for not wanting do to you, hire him. Do you guys put any credibility into reports that he uh, he didn't really want to go to a big market team because he, he um, wants to avoid kind of aggressive reporters and, not, and, and no. the paranoia that comes with that? No, he's so good at avoiding questions. I don't think it matters where. I think it's Well, it was more, the idea of de like developing yeah. sources and no, getting information I, I from think staff and in, in the organization. As an outsider, I'm not an insider like Michael is with the Patriots, but I think it's just because he wants more control than maybe teams want to give him. And the fact that that control has led to the Patriots being one of the worst teams in the league. Very true. Doesn't help. In other words, maybe the they've had two interviews with the Falcons. Mark, you brought this up. Why do you need two interviews? Yeah, and what, they still what you, haven't hired them. What do you? What did you forget to ask Bill Belichick the first time that you have to have a follow up and be like, "Hey, can you explain that whole offensive philosophy again? I didn't quite get it the first time." Can you explain why you brought in Matt Patricia to, to yeah. hand the keys Run your to offense? the offense? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, again, it's there's a lot of reasons to question the guy. He's not infallible at this point for sure. Basically because he's old, right? That's what you were trying to say? Yeah, anybody over 70. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that yeah. does it. We are done. Back at it tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya!